Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of the Pioneer Perspective. As always, my name is Brad, otherwise known as Bradsifer, and I am joined by not Alex today, maybe later. He's currently driving home, coming from his family vacation, so he may join us in a bit, he may not. Either way though, I am joined by someone who's been on the show before, but if you've started listening in the last, you know, this last year, you may not have realized that. It's Doomwake, or Devin. Hi Doom. Hey, Hi, it's me. Hello. Uh, <laughs> well, glad to be here. I know that the uh, the last time I was here, we, we had a great time recording, so I'm happy to be here, and uh, yeah, happy to talk about Pioneer. I love Pioneer. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's crazy how it's been almost two years, like, like what, two weeks? It'll be two years since you came on, and a lot has changed with both uh, this podcast, you and your streaming, stuff like that. You've grown a lot, um, and it's actually been really cool to watch. Uh, from seeing like you stream and like get, get more more people on, and especially like your YouTube channel and things like that for your vods. And my favorite thing that's changed, as far as that's concerned, is how you were the mono green guy when we had you on the first time, and now you're just like, well, maybe not. <laughs> you actually flipped completely. You you were the Rakdos sack guy for like what two months there? Yeah, for a little bit. You know, I, I put a lot of work. It's it's the thing is with. Because I've been really focusing, I've been kind of shifting in the focus of my content a lot more towards Pioneer over the past couple of months. Um, as you know, I've been pretty vocal about my sort of unhappiness with the current modern format, and I really, really like where Pioneer's at, so I've been having a lot more fun with Pioneer. So as I shift the focus a lot more Pioneer-centric, you know, with with content creation, you can't really do the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, so you got to get a little bit of variety. So it's like, you know, I kind of worked on Rack of Sacrifice for a little bit. I started with um, some lists that were maybe a little bit less untuned, played it a bunch, really found a list that I liked, really worked on that deck, and it's kind of like, you know, moving from deck to deck. Um, I did play a little bit of Monogreen, too. I know uh, you mentioned we were going to talk about playing the rcq uh so i still play a little bit yeah. of monogreen here and there i have it built in paper and uh you know kind of bouncing between decks for rcqs so well right now in pioneer what would you say is your current favorite deck not necessarily the best deck you've played mm -hmm. but your favorite deck to play win or lose you have a good time playing it casting cards that kind of thing uh, maybe a little bit of recency bias, but there was a, there was a video that went up on the YouTube channel a few days back where, uh, I, we, I went four and one with a deck that had Doomwake Giant in it, <laughs> nonetheless. Oh, I, the Enigmatic, uh, Rhino? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was, that yeah, was so that. much fun. The, the original list that I, that I found, it came from, uh, I think it was NJA23, and they got 12th place in a challenge, so I wanted to try it out, and... Somebody in chat uh, had suggested. So, for those of you who don't know, Enigmatic Incarnation is a four-man enchantment that says you, at the end of your beginning of your end step, you can sacrifice an enchantment, and if you do, search for it's basically birthing pod, but you have to sacrifice an enchantment, and you get a creature with one higher CMC. So the idea was, you the the deck list already had is Eldrazi Displacer, so the concept of adding Doomwake Giant was we wanted a five-mana enchantment creature that bridged us into uh, Drowner of Hope because Drowner of Hope plus Displacer plus Yarok, which is also a Yarok in the deck. Of course, why wouldn't there be? Um, that goes yeah. infinite. You can essentially, because you get two uh, two Drowner of Hope triggers, which makes four Scions, you sack three to blink the Drowner, and you just get infinite tokens. So, you know, we wanted a bridge to to the uh, to the Drowner of Hope, and that's why we played Doom Giant, which conveniently was really good because there's just a lot of enchantments. So it's just kind of, it just kind of worked out. But yeah, that deck was so much fun to play, and, uh, you know, might, might, might be playing a little bit more of that on stream soon, so... 
Dude, it was there was a line that you had. You were against like mono red, and they had Eidolon out and like uh, a couple more cr- uh, creatures. And you were basically had like you were empty on board. I'm pretty sure. And you uh, went in enigmatic, and then uh, you ended up getting like the 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 one that makes a wolf that fights, and then like a doomwake giant, oh, yeah. like in the same turn. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit! And, and you were sitting there laughing. You're like, I don't know how we did it, but we we got here. We yeah, it's it, it, a good turn, especially with Yarok too, where it's like I think there was a turn yeah. where I like had Yarok in play. And then I played Yorion, which blinked all my stuff, and then Yara came back and I got like double Doomwake Giant triggers, double Yar double uh Tulsimir triggers, uh and That's then like double Chain of the Rocks triggers, which also got me two more Doomwake Giant triggers. It was just it was <laughs> it was a lot. There was also I don't know if you're if you watched the whole league, but or I mean that, that might have been the first league that I played. I played a game against Monogreen where I had they had two Cavalier of Thorns in play, and I had <laughs> Deputy Detention plus Eldrazi Displacer. So I went Deputy, oh, nice. there are two Cavaliers, and then I went Flicker my Deputy to mill. They milled 10. Flicker my Deputy, because I had six mana, so I went end step, Flicker Deputy, they milled 10, because the uh, the uh, Deputy a- exiled, it left play, so they got the Cavalier triggers, and then when it came back, I killed the Cavaliers again. So I went <laughs> Flicker my de- flicker my Deputy, they milled 10, Flicker my Deputy, they milled 10, untap, do it two more times, and they just deck them. <laughs> That's fucking disgusting. Oh, uh, it was it was That's an weird though cuz like I have a buddy who um I've known for a couple years who I met actually uh through um like the webcam like discord stuff like that for like playing paper magic and shit like during covid. And mm-hmm. he lives in Orlando. He's going to come down for the RCQ in Tampa uh later this month. And he is a huge enigmatic player. That is like his main deck. That's what he goes with all the time. And I'm sitting there going like, I fucking swear to God, if I get mashed up against you and I'm on sack uh, this month, I'm going to kill myself because that is one of the worst matchups I've ever played uh, when it comes to playing sack. It's not fun. You just, you go get, you go get fucking uh, Yasharn just for free. And I cry. I just stare at a board. Uh, But yeah, that that deck is so cool. And it's one of those that, People have been like, why isn't there more Fires uh, of Invention kind of decks? Um, but, like, Enigmatic is probably the best one, but it's also the hardest to play. Right, yeah, I mean... The it, amount of lines. With the, with the deck list, if you look at the deck list, it's literally just, like, four Incarnation, four Fires, four Siege Rhino, and then 38 one-ofs, basically, because you're just searching for cards with Incarnation. I guess there was, like, there's, like, four Chain, four Omen... Uh, I think Trial of Ambition, so there's some other for us, but there's just so many tutor targets and so many different lines where you're like, you know, like, you go fires, and then you have to figure out, like, which enchantment do I play, because you have to figure out which creature I want to get, and then you're, like, trying to play two turns down the road, because then two turns later, or, like, the next turn, you can pick up Yorion and play that. There's just, there's so many different things going on. It was, like, it was it was a lot of, it, it was uh, it was pretty difficult to figure out the lines, but it was also fun to, like, you know, kind of parse through it, so... It, it was it was a lot of fun. Oh yeah, it looked like a lot of fun to play. Um, I don't know if I'd want to go through like a lot of the the clicking and shit. Actually, one deck that I thought I would never want to play on Moto uh, was that um, uh, the Teamer Elemental package with uh, uh, Burgie? the uh, Grinning Ignis. Yeah, Burgie and Grinning Ignis. The amount of clicks 
that that deck has just oh, like going yeah. through the loop. Yeah. I'm like, every time I was watching that VOD, I was like, please just scoop. Please fucking scoop. <laughs> like, that, that seems miserable. And I played Kethis on Moto, and I'd rather play that than fucking uh, than uh, Grinning Ignis. Yeah, um, I played a little bit with that deck too, but yeah, it's it's there's a lot of clicking. Another deck that uh, that we were talking about earlier, Monogreen, like I did play that a little bit, um, more than a little bit, a couple of weeks, like really early on. Um, I think it was right after they announced the RCQs, and I was like, that's when I really started the the, fi- the Pioneer Focus, yeah. trying to like figure out, okay, what's the best deck? What should I play in the, in the RCQs that are coming up? And I, I spent like a good two weeks on Monogreen, and um, I don't know if you know the origin of this, but the, the combo, the... Uh, what's it called? Pestilent Cauldron. That I think mm-hmm. was mostly. I think I believe it was Canister that that uh, discovered it, and I think he mostly like he put it in his sideboard, not even knowing that there was a combo. He just put it in as like, okay, this is a card that I can Karn for that is essentially a two for one. You know, if I have a lot of extra mana, I could just get back two Planeswalkers, and it's good good card advantage. And then he gets like two matches into the league, and he's like, oh shit, I just have an infinite combo. In my <laughs> um. But yeah, yeah, that one also involves a, a lot of clicking furiously with like, you know, once you get like 40, 50, 60 men in your mana pool, there's a lot of clicking involved with that. Yeah, it's not like in paper where, I mean, do you think they can ever update it where it's like, okay, infinite combo detected, uh, how many times would you like to do that and just input a number? With Magic like, Online? I wish they could, but I, I think it's just, it, there's too many different like infinite combos that create a loop it would re- be really hard for them to program it in to make sure they can catch everything you know what i mean well can't they just have something where it's like it reads that like you've completed a loop like what five times in a row oh like the same like, game action yeah i gotcha yeah maybe like i feel like that could be kind of easy but i mean it'd be, it'd be interesting to see well, it's not like paper you'd be like okay i'm representing the loop to you opponent <laughs> This is what's going to happen. I would like to do this 400,000 times, please. And then I'll go with another game action from there. But before I do, do you have any interaction or ways to respond? And they'll say no. Or they'll call a judge and be like, can we please confirm this loop? And then you have to explain it to the judge. And then you go through the loop again. And the judge is like, yeah, that's what happens. And then your opponent just scoops. It's my favorite thing. I don't know if you've had this. When I went to the RCQ, there was... I think it was round one. We went 24 minutes overtime mm-hmm. for round one in turns because Monogreen versus Monogreen Mirror. Oh, really? Jeez. It was so funny. I was there watching and I'm like, please, someone get the fucking loop. Please, someone, someone do something. Someone just win or just draw. But they, they slow played like crazy and like there was like a big crowd around their table and I'm just like, kind of on the outside looking in, I'm like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just glance at what was on board. And I see Cavalier on one side and Karn and another Cavalier and Karn on the other side. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's what's happening. Yeah, I, I've... I don't I've, know if you've anything like that. I've played that... I, I've seen that matchup or maybe played it... Played the matchup, seen the matchup a couple of times and it's like one of those things where, you know, the green deck has a tendency to... It does a lot of things, but like maybe it ends up being, like, one mana short or one point of devotion short. It just, like, you know, you're, like, basically doing all these game actions for a good, you know, five minutes or so, and then just, like, all right, pass. 
<laughs> and your board is like four cavaliers, three old goth trolls, uh, and all this stuff. Yeah. But you just like you're the, just that one card short of just being able to set up the loop. And that's what happens. It's like you just you're gold fishing, trying to find the loop, and then you end up being short. You pass. They do the same thing, and it's like, but everybody's turn takes five minutes because you're just taking so many game actions. Well, since we're on the topic of mono green, let's go backwards. I want to talk about mono green in its current state and your thoughts on it now. But let's go backwards first. Talk about earlier how last time you were on the cast, you were the mono green guy. We we even called you the mono green guru when you came on. <laughs> Because uh, that was what you were playing the most. You you just won the mocks with Mono Green, um, and that was the old version that ran like four Vivian, like Burning Tree Emissary, and that kind of thing, where it had like a bit more aggressive kind of style. But it still yep. played the Karn board and stuff, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. This was so, uh, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, um, you can finish your thought, but I was gonna say, uh, what kind of from then to now, obviously I know you played modern and stuff like that in between, but like what changed from like your love of modern green, or at least maybe it was like you felt it was just the best deck at the time to shifting further away from it. Was it like a content perspective or was it like truly just like, you just don't care for the deck that much anymore. So I think when back when, when I was playing like the, when I, when I ran, when I won that mox, it was actually like kind of a back-to-back weekend thing where I actually top eighted the qualifier the weekend before, and then just kind of said, you know, fuck it, run it back, and then I ran it back the next week. Um, I thought at the time that that particular deck was just pretty well positioned in the format. Like it had, uh, this was before uh, you know a bunch of printings. This was before the printing of Besieju, uh, before the printing of Storm the Festival. So the modern green decks are a lot different now. And one of the more popular decks at the time was Lotus Field, and Karn specifically was just a card that was a real nuisance for them. You just get a Damping Sphere, the next turn get a Godfaro statue, and they didn't really have a way out of that. Obviously, things have changed with Besage, it matched a lot different. Um, but specifically, I, I just I felt that it was it was a really good choice back then. Uh, kind of just based on the metagame, like I thought it was good against the control decks at the time. It's always been decent against Mono Red because you just play, like, whatever mid-range 3-drop you play, which is, you know, it used to be Jade Light Ranger, now it's Old Growth Troll. Just kind of this, like, big bungus that just sits there. It's hard for the Red decks to be able to attack through it, stuff like that. Um, but I think now it's it's weird because specifically now... Um, when the RCQ season started, that's when a lot more people like started getting Pioneer started seeing a lot more eyes on it, and when people started playing the format a lot more. And I think when that first initial wave, people kind of gravitated towards Monogreen because it was an easy deck to play. It with the people who were already like doing well with it. It was uh, you know just kind of like the level one deck. So everybody like the first couple of weeks of challenges after the announcement of the RCQ season was just basically completely dominated by Monogreen. There was like at least five, six copies in every single top eight. And people were worried about like, you know, is this just going to be what Pioneer is? And obviously that's not the case because people reacted. And now I think the format specifically has kind of reacted very well to Monogreen with like, you see a lot more, not only like sideboard cards that choices that people make, like you see more copies of, uh, Aether Gust, more copies of the Black Removal Spell, Epic Downfall, stuff like that, but also just yeah. strategies, like their Spirits are good against it, the Boros Heroic deck is really good against Monogreen. So I think it was more of a thing where 
Uh, the reason that I kind of stopped playing it a little bit, obviously there was the, the you know, modern MH2, when the MH2 came out, I basically stopped playing Pioneer because I was really focusing on modern content at the time. Uh, and now that that's kind of died down and I'm back in on Pioneer, I decided to, you know, switch it up a little bit. But as far as green specifically, I think it's more of just a metagame thing where it was, re- I thought it was really good in the metagame before, kind of dipped out a little bit. It was really good, you know, it got really good again during the RCQ announcement. And now it's kind of back to, I would say, even a little bit. Yeah, that makes sense. I've been... It's one of those decks where it feels like you... Your games are not close either way, if that makes sense. Um, like, a lot of times I feel like you're either so far ahead, you're doing so much, and that you just overwhelm your opponent, and they really can't fight back more often than not, like maybe nine times out of ten. And the other side is, like, they keep you at bay enough, and then you just kind of draw awkwardly. And then you just kind of stumble and then you never kind of regain your footing. I, I don't have that many games when I played the deck of like back and forth kind <laughs> of kind of stuff where it's like, you know, a, a good fair magic. I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something. But the old Mono Green had that because of Vivian giving things trample and stuff like that and creating your, your small, uh, you know, dorks and like burning tree emissaries into bigger threats, minusing to like, you know, actually like deal with uh, threats. I know they even sometimes played like things like a one or two of, of like primal might as like fight spells or something like that to like oh, yeah, the Hydra at least too. deal with more creature stuff. Yeah, and of course the Hydra. So, and we've seen the Hydra come back a little bit um, and then immediately fall off again. It's so weird. People pick up Hydra, it seems like, in Mono Green, and then they're like, nah, I don't fucking want to play with that card. It's weird, because I know it's a bad Storm hit, but it's still, I think, a pretty good card. But yeah, the old one, you could kind of do that, but the new one's very much solitaire, it feels like. You do your thing, you go off, or you don't. And that's kind of how all the games are. And that turns me off on the deck in terms of, like, the fun factor. Because when you go off, it's fun, but it's also pretty linear. And like boring, yeah, to an extent. Yeah, no, I, I could definitely see that. Um, like like you were saying, the older versions that had Vivian, uh, you know, four Vivians, four Voracious Hydras, they were a lot more. Uh, there was a lot more like math involved in terms of like racing situations where you would get to these points where it's like, okay, uh, how many burning trees can I afford to attack with? Can I afford to attack with, you know, this four or five Hydra or whatever? It was a lot more about like combat math and racing situations. And now it's just like, you know, uh, put make 40 men on turn five and put 500 permanents into play. And just, you know, the fact that it has like storm the, and the reason for that is I think mostly storm the festival. I think that was really the turning point uh, with how green devotion was built. When that card got printed, it was like, okay, well we can stop messing around with all of this, like small ball combat focus type stuff with the, you know, fight cards like Vivian and, and and, uh, voracious Hydra and just kind of become this, combo deck essentially that's that's really when it kind of mm-hmm. came from like um, almost like a an aggro deck to now it's like a full-on combo deck basically do you think that um there's any validity to people within the community uh which this happens no matter what card it is um i, I think you've even said it on on stream in some variety of like you lose to a card and you're like yep ban it you feel bad because you just lost to it um Oh yeah, you said that about a uh, Doomwake Giant. <laughs> the Mono Red player is like, yeah, we need to ban Doomwake Giant. They just oh, lost yeah. to it. <laughs> um, but is there any validity to actually hitting something out of uh, green? Not because of necessarily the deck being too oppressive, but do the cards line up to what Wizards has presented as their 
you know, uh, the bar for Pioneer being like Nykthos and Karn being like the main objects, of course. It's tough to say. Yeah, kind of going back to the I know whatever the most recent ban announcement when they when they banned Expressive Iteration, they had talked about other cards and uh, they had mentioned like a little bit on. We're, we're not going to ban Treasure Cruiser Dig Through Time. That's what, you know, the, the whole premise around the Pioneer format initially was like, we're going to ban fetch lands to keep digging crews around. And people were talking about should they mm-hmm. ban crews and stuff. Um, specifically regarding the monogreen things, I, it's tough. It, it's really one of those decks where there are a certain subset of decks that, like, it almost feels like regardless of how many sideboard cards they have, it's just nearly impossible to make their monogreen matchup even remotely palatable. So it, it does kind of push decks out of the format like that. Um, but at the same time, it's pretty much the only, like, I guess, in terms of like ramp deck, it's pretty much the only ramp, I guess, if you want to call it a ramp deck that, that kind of exists. Um, I think if I were to hit something hypothetically i would probably kind of rather see karn go if i'm being honest i i had talked about that uh, thought about that a little bit before and it's like karn really kind of does everything in the sense of it's anti uh it's it's basically a way to get cyber cards into your main deck without having to put cyber cards into your actual main deck it's the combo Mm -hmm. finisher because it finds the it finds the Pestilent Cauldron, so it's basically the combo enabler, and it also just hoses a random subset of decks for no apparent reason, like Grease Fang and, and Soul Artifact. Like, those decks are... People still yeah. play Grease Fang and to, to moderate success, but it's, like, really hard for that deck to ever become you know, like a Tier 1 or a Tier 1.5 deck with the prevalence of Monogreen having access to Karn. So, I think right now, the format's in a fine place where I don't necessarily think nothing, anything needs to get banned, um, but it's possible that maybe they reconsider something before the Pro Tour, and I think that that might be mm-hmm. something they they want to look at, just because I don't know if they want the Pro Tour to be, you know, dual decks Devotion versus Phoenix, because I feel like at this point, if, if, if we had a Pro Tour tomorrow, and if people were playing for, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, and they were trying to, to do the best they could to win, I think that basically the entire tournament would, would be, you know... Uh, dominated by phoenix and monogreen at least that's kind of where, where i'm coming from so i don't mm-hmm. know i think for now it's probably fine but come pro tour season they might want to look at it abzan uh grease fang actually got second place today in the uh challenge did it yeah uh, they lost to uh bant humans i'm sorry not humans i'm sorry bant spirits okay which is also kind of cool to see bant spirits win the challenge i've seen <laughs> that in a little bit yeah, usually um, when we're yeah, talking I, about spirits lately, we're talking about like mono blue and, and stuff like that. So yeah, I haven't seen oh, I haven't yeah. seen Bant in a while. Good old Coco is still a really good card. Yep. <laughs> it's it's funny because like we we've seen it's kind of like we've seen um the evolution from the like the spirit standpoint of like you had Azorius, then they're like, okay, let's do Bant instead, get Coco, and then they've kind of gone to mono blue uh, with Cures Obsession and stuff. We've kind of seen the exact same thing to an extent with humans, because mm-hmm. people really started with like it was like Orzov was like the main humans uh, list uh, like a year ago, 
And then you started seeing like people be like, oh, Mantis Rider and stuff like that. And like Reflector Mage, let's go into four or five color deck sneak and like a Kudro or whatever. And then they've kind of simp- like gone a bit simpler. And then now you see a lot of like the Bant of just being like a much more consistent mana base and that kind of thing. And then you see Mono White now as a pretty decent uh, representation of humans, at least. It feels like they've gone through the exact same pattern <laughs> of figuring out what to play as Spirits did. I think that's kind of funny. Yeah, and I think the what they've all decided to it, it, both decks essentially have come to the realization that company is just the best card. So they both like you know kind of experimented yeah. without versions of company, and then they're kind of because I remember there was a couple of humans versions when the most recent set came out with extraction specialist. There was a lot of people trying with that with pyre of heroes because you can go pyre of heroes mm-hmm. sack charming prince get specialist. Specialist get back Prince, which then brings the, blinks the Specialist and then gets back another thing. So that interaction was pretty powerful. Um, but again, Mono Green, the fun police, as always, ruining people's days because you can't activate Pyre of Heroes with the card in play. So probably yeah. makes a little bit more sense to go back to the Galactic Company version. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of decks that just get hosed by fucking Karn. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's literally always Karn. And it makes me wonder... It, it's kind of like... Does Karn have the same problem that Three Fairy had? Isn't it like the exact same thing of like the way it hoses certain types of decks where it just kind of pushes them out of the format for a decent amount? Like we don't see Anvil in sack variants uh, or sack lists, uh, whether it's Rakdos, Jund, or whatever, primarily because Karn just absolutely shits on the Anvil strategy. And I like Anvil a lot. (laughs) It's funny you bring that up because when I first started playing Rakdos Sacrifice the versions that I first started with were Anvil, because that was the popular version at that time. So mm-hmm. where something that I realized is every time that I played the Mono Green matchup, I would draw a bunch of Anvils and experimental synthesizers, and I they would play, just play a Karn, and I would look at my board of like Witches of an Anvil, and I would just, just pick up my cards, because I couldn't do anything. And then I mm-hmm. think part of the part of what the realization of that was, okay, well, you know, we have to recognize that Mono Green is becoming this this big part of the format and by doing that or by realizing that we just basically cut the anvils and add uh essentially blood tithe harvester and fable which is where, where i'm at right now basically and yeah. that gives you a lot more stuff that plays through a card and not just all of this pile of artifacts that just have no text with the card in play and the matchup's already pr- not great as it is even if you're not playing oh. anvil so it, playing anvil it's just suicide to monogreen basically yeah i wonder if i mean I wonder if, like, Anvil would kind of come back if Karn got hit, and, like, because uh, it's, like, it's, it's like when Lurrus got banned, and people were like, okay, do you stay low to the ground, or do you play three drops? Like, you kind of maybe discover that, like, the deck is better when you go in a different route, and, like, not not having Karn in the format might mean that Anvil might be the better play, but I, I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like, as far as from playing Sack, because I played both, uh, obviously, like, for the, the Anvil version, and, and, uh, and just the more traditional like you're playing i would like fable and stuff like that where mm-hmm. i've kind of settled on i think i'm on four fable two ob okay. in my list yeah um i'm i'm playing the full four push i think and not playing eaten alive in the main but i think okay. i would rather play eaten alive at some point but whatever um i think that's still better than anvil when it comes down to it and that little package of like synthesizer and stuff um and like voltage surge um, because like Fable's just really good. 
I think the it's biggest really good. the biggest upside that the art that the Anvil version gets is Shrapnel Blast. That card's really good. But I think Go outside face, yeah, nice. or even just like straight up two mana kill a card, which is something that you really mm-hmm. want, and it's versatile. It's a little bit mm-hmm. more versatile than uh, Eaten Alive, which is mainly why Eaten Alive's in the deck in the first place. But yeah, other than Shrapnel Blast, it's like what do you really? Uh, you maybe gain a little bit in the Rakdos mid range matchup because I think Anvil's a lot better in that matchup. But again, it's just like you're you're sacrificing so much. But with the Mono Green matchup, that I just don't really think you can do that right now. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I think I hate seeing stuff banned, especially things like like I find Karn to be an interesting card, um, and I do like Karn as a card because I like being able to see it being played in like what like the mono black like list we've seen every now and then of like the devotion stuff, or like even like a uh, mono white uh, led that legendary deck where it's like playing like search for glory and like like Karn for a board and like the uh, the book combo with like Mutavolt and shit. Yep. Um, like that's cool and interesting to see. So we lose that on that, but I think being able to open up the field to see more artifacts, synergistic stuff. Cause I mean, even, uh, in soul, you don't see at all anymore. And that used to be like one of the, like the, the top, not going to say top decks, but a highly represented deck early on in pioneer. And it make, it kind of makes me sad. I think it's a boring <laughs> deck to play. I don't particularly <laughs> enjoy playing it myself, like I have the core of it, because I was maybe I'll put it together, and then I would like I played it like one game or I, like one F and M, and I was like, this is so fucking boring. <laughs> like I'm not having fun at all. It's way too linear. But there are some people that like that, and I feel bad for those kind of players because they get they get hosed by a single card, just like how Teferi was, and all that shit. So I don't know. I, I think yeah, I, I probably agree with you that if one of the two had to go, it'd be Karn. But I have seen people being like. Well, they didn't put Nykthos in the new uh, Explore thingy, so that must mean they're planning on banning Nykthos soon. That's why they didn't bring it in. <laughs> I'm, like, uh, I'm like, okay, does that mean they're banning Monastery Swift Spear too? No, that, I, I mean, honest, mean honestly, they probably just want to make sure that everything's... If, if they, re- I don't, I'm not exactly sure what's missing because I don't pay attention to Arena, but I'm sure that enough cards are missing A from lot. Arena that if they put Nykthos in, it would just be like you know, 90% of the format or whatever. So they probably want to wait a little bit to bring it in. Um, yeah. Going specific problem with that though, going back to specifically uh, in soul, I think like one mm. of the biggest printings that made that deck a lot worse was March of Otherworldly light because it doesn't specify non lands. Oh, yes. So it's like the blue white control was really popular at the time when March was printed. And that's kind of what pushed in soul out. Now that blue whites may be falling off a little bit. Cause like at the, when you think about it, like if you look at the Insoul list, there's not a ton that like really gets hosed by Karn because they play Insoul Artifact, Machiko's Reign of Truth, which um, both get around it. I guess Blackstaff doesn't, but they have some, you know, some some play to it. But yeah, I think it was mostly just March for the Worldly Light. That's why I can't play. Uh, I mean, the Express Federation Band didn't help that much either, but Just Guy Ascendancy. I oh, used to man. play that deck a lot. That I was know. my favorite decks to play. Me too. And then March came in, and I would go against Blue White, and they're like, hey, hey, guess what? I have a main deck uh, card that just says, fuck your combo. And I'm like, why? Why did they give you this? Why? It was so awful. I'm like, I, I, I was torn. Because on one hand, 
I was like, I want to see Blue White be the deck for control in the format because it was always underrepresented. It was always Demir, and like you didn't have that much interactions like that because you're, you're they were playing like Azorius Charm and like Blessed Alliance was a card that they were playing and shit. And it's like, oh my <laughs> yep. god, that's so bad. And then they got Faithful Absence. Like, oh my god, a kill spell for fucking just in white for them that's amazing and then they get march i'm like this is awesome and then i play it against march and i'm very sad i'm always sad that they have that card because ascendancy is so cool i want to go get the stupid etched foil uh ones from double masters for ascendancy because they look yep. fucking gorgeous oh yeah but like i de-sleeved the deck my i turn i turned my four color ascendancy deck into a four color hanada deck which has been a lot of fun by the way it's probably one of the most fun decks i've ever played I won my recent F and M this last Friday with it. It is ridiculously fun. Yeah, but, it's like Kanata Opus, Gear Hulk, that kind of stuff. <clears throat> yeah, and I'm also playing Omnath because yep, four color is fun, and uh, it, it's and you get to play four March. I'm like, okay, I can play four Kanata, four Omnath. I'm like, look at all these extra legendaries I can pitch to fucking March. It's great. And of course, I was playing four Sabotage, like Sinister Sabotage in the deck. Yeah, and then I. Throughout my games, I was like, that was the card I was least impressed with throughout the entirety of it. And I was like, all right, let's trim that down. I cut that. So now I'm running two Prismari commands instead of the one, which has been really good. And then I'm running three Fable. Because I'm like, why did I not think of that in the first place? Why This seems great oh, yeah, for Fable. Fable copy Gear Hulk, too. Yes, that's immediately what I thought of. But I'm like, that's fucking disgusting. Yep. <laughs> and you got to run Sublime Epiphany. I'm running two because I'm greedy. It's it's so good. If you're, play, if you're playing Gear Hulk, you just have to. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. Those lines where you go, okay, uh, I have Hanada up, and then I have like eight mana open, because at that point, usually you, you ramp pretty hard, like Grow Spiral and like things like that. Um, and so you have Hanada, and you're like, okay, I'm going to counter your thing and do all that with Sublime, and then I'm going to end step Gear Hulk, Sublime Epiphany, copy Gear Hulk, Magma Opus, and it's like, wow, <laughs> I think I won the game. <laughs> It's so much fun, uh, but yeah, it so yeah, ascendancy getting pushed out makes me sad because that's the I think that was the most fun combo deck besides Kethis, uh that I've played because Lotus Field I, I again it's boring. Yep, it's really boring to play. Um, it's boring to watch, and I I don't think it should I don't see any reason it should be banned, but if they banned it I wouldn't be upset at all. <laughs> that's really right. Bye. It, 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 yeah, it's just kind of one of those things where it's there's just uh, it's a lot of solitaire. You know, there's not really it's really just two ships passing in the night. The Lotus Field, the, the deck usually doesn't play mm-hmm. that much interaction. I mean, the interaction that they have is like what Besaju Odawara, which is not really interacted protecting their combo. Right, yeah. you can't really like you can't have a fight over that stuff. It's just going to happen. But what a what a printing for it. Just every single format, right? Besaju, like it's crazy. Oh, it's crazy how like. It's just changed so many different formats by so much. Like we were talking about before, the Lotus Field versus Mono Green, uh, that matchup used to be like pretty in Mono Green's favor, but with access to mm-hmm. Besaju and Sylvan's crying to find Besaju, and like the fact that Besaju gets under both Dambic Sphere and God Pharaoh statue, it's just like it's crazy how much it's yeah. changed the dynamic of so many matchups. And even be able to play, uh, they still play one or two um, fave wishes, and some of them have a copy of Besaju in the board. Oh, yeah. For two. Yep. So, like, you just you have a, a tutorable answer, which is insane. Um, and you said that uh, Lotus Field kind of 
brings out a lot of salt for people. I agree. However, there is one high in magic that I don't think cannot be, it just cannot be beat. It's when your Lotus Field player goes, they're, they're on turn three, they like tap or whatever, they're two mana, go get a Lotus Field, play it, sack their lands, and then you turn around and go, okay, Damping Sphere, and they have oh, no yeah. land on their turn. Yeah. That is the best feeling. It is. It feels so good. <laughs> I don't think it can be beat. Because even if you have Alpine Moon, they still have they still get green mana off of it. So, but like exactly, they don't actually have a ton of like. Once they sack two lands, if they don't have a green source left over, they're just screwed. Like if they're even if they have a stage, because usually what'll happen is they'll like they'll play the Lotus Field, leave a, just a stage in hand, and plan on just going okay, we'll cop stage copy it next turn. If they're left with mm-hmm. you have a Dampic Sphere and they have a Lotus Field in the stage, they're not casting a single spell. So good luck with that. Yeah, they need the specific line of, like, they need Botanical Sanctum in hand, and they have to, like, either have Besaidu or draw into Besaidu right then and there. Yeah. And just go colorless, with, like, green. And I'm like, it's, yeah, it feels amazing when you shut them down. It's one of my favorite things. So I would kind of be sad to not have that option <laughs> of achieving that high if Lotus Field got banned. Yeah. Because it's great. Um, I don't know. Like, I want, I want more decks to show up in general, though. Because, and it's one thing I've talked about with Pioneer forever, and we hear the thing about Pioneer all the time being like the Brewer's Paradise and things like that, because it's, it's, I, I would still consider it not solved. I don't know if you agree with that. Oh, it, it's not solved by um, any means. I mean, I'm okay. looking at meta, I'm looking at MTG Goldfish, and the best deck is a Jun deck. Like, <laughs> the format's not Jun, the Rakdos midrange what? deck is fine, but like, I, Jund-esque, you know what I mean? Oh, Not yeah. actual Jund, but it's... I was about to say, like, what the and fuck I both, happened? You and I both know it's a Jund deck, but you know what I mean? It's like, it, it, yeah, this is the most right. played deck, and it's just like, I'm not saying the deck's bad. I think it's actually quite good. I just refuse to believe that this is the best deck in the format. You know what I mean? There's, there's got to be something, and I think part of it is... The people who are maybe qualified for the Pro Tour, they are, mm-hmm. like, if they found, like, if they find something that's like, oh, shit, this is going to break the format wide open, they're not going to share that. They're, they're just going to, like, keep that secret until the Pro Tour happens. But I think, like, once you once the Pro Tour comes around, you're going to see a lot more people iterating and trying new things and trying these really... I, there's there's probably some degenerate stuff that we just haven't seen yet, and I think it'll really come out a lot with, the, uh, with the PT. I'm really excited. Uh, like to see what decks pop up in the Pro Tour, because um, that's always one of my favorite. I remember when when Pioneer first launched. I remember watching in those first few weeks, there was a game where it was like it was mono green that had like Leyline and shit, uh, like that that kind of mono green. Which, by the way, side note: if they ban Nykthos, can Leyline come back? Uh, probably not. Just because of the abundance of one mana cards, like you would just play four goose, four elvish mystic, four Llanowar elves, and mm. I don't know. I feel like probably not, but I don't know. <clears throat> but anyway, I was watching that, and it was that deck, and it was against like a Orzov mid range deck that was playing the exert creature from Amonkhet, Glorybound Initiate. Oh, Glorybound! That card's guess. And I was like, this is peak magic. This is the greatest thing ever. I'm watching someone play Glorybound Initiate in the year 2020. It's fucking <laughs> insane. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was like the January, like right before Theros dropped. Um, and obviously before COVID and shit. Like one of those last few like events, like SEG events or whatever. It was amazing. It was the highlight of my weeks, like watching people play cool shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to see more of that. And I, I think... Know. 
there's I know we're in this weird thing of like, because Moto's the primary source of people playing and stuff like that. There's a lot of copycat bullshit of like, and I don't blame it. It's, I'm not, not knocking on it. I get it. You find, you see what the best deck is, what is, or in theory, what the best deck is, or like flavor of the week kind of thing. And people want to play that and just you're grinding and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I understand. I just, I, we saw it a little bit with some innovations, like we saw that with like uh like canister finding the pestle and cauldron and then did he also find the the um the chain veil thing as well or did someone else find that uh, <clears throat> i don't actually know who first played the chain veil i think it might have been one of the zoomers but i'm not 100% mm-hmm. sure but that was a well, we see innovation like that and like but but that's kind of like the whole like uh, like I want to like, you hit the upgrade button and it's like oh wait go back not not that way I don't want to <laughs> not that kind of innovation please yeah um, like I want to see cool shit like I think the enigmatic stuff is really cool um, the Hanada bullshit that I, I've been playing is really cool I don't know how gr- good it is I'm sure you, I'm sure you can tweak it and stuff um, but I I don't know like as much as I love playing Rakdos Rakdos is my favorite color combination. Um, it, it always has been from like when I first started playing and things like that. But and as much as I love playing Rakdos mid range, I get bored from playing it because yeah, there's a lot of lines to it. It's a mid range deck. It is the Jun deck of the format, and you have a lot of decisions to make, and it really you know rewards good piloting. But I want to see new cool shit go on, and I don't think I've seen really anything predominantly like new um there was the there was a golgari citadel list okay i was i was going through my notifications to figure out if it was you or was it alex that had shared that with me i think it was you right uh i think yes it was me it was me and i was like please play this deck um (laughs) i love citadel i love playing jun citadel yeah. And that's really cool because like I was like, oh shit, that kind of makes sense to go Golgari and then instead of going into the red, you just get Zulport Cutthroat instead of Mayhem Devil, which albeit is a worse card, but it's a lower mana cost. Um, kind of helps you go turn through your combo a bit better uh, in terms of like losing life because that one life difference between two and three can be a big deal and that kind of thing. Yeah. And then you can get the life gain from entry on uh, Innkeeper plus the sacking life gain and that can help you elongate your combo. Yep. Cool innovation. However, it is a innovation built upon an existing deck that's been in the format before. Just going from Jun to Gulgari. Right, making the mana Give me better. something brand new. Yep. Like, I want to I be blown away when I see some weird... Like, where's our... Um, shadow. Um, Death Shadow. Like, that type of innovation. The Shadow, just the shadow like, Mortality. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want something like that. I just want someone to just pop out, and everyone's like, "Holy shit, this is sweet!" Yeah. You seen the uh, the metal oh. metalwork colossus deck that's been popping up? Mm-hmm. Seen a couple five O's. That deck is sweet. I played. Yeah. I played. I played a couple leagues. I three two a couple leagues. Um, maybe like just didn't play the. the it, it's it's hard to learn the sequencing sometimes because you have to like play a couple turns ahead with metalwork colossus. But that deck is sweet. Yeah. Yeah, that that's a good one. That's a good example of like a, a newer innovation. I haven't seen that card since Standard because I first started playing Standard in 2017, when like when Amonkhet came out, 
And I remember one of my buddies was playing that card in a deck, and I was like, that's so fucking sweet. Like, I was like, that, that's broken, because I'm a new player, and I'm like, I see a, like a what could be a zero mana 10-10. Uh, yeah. Um, so that's a great one for, like, cool innovation. I wonder, um, what would you change, if, if anything, would you change anything about that list? Because it does seem very all-in on the combo of, like, just playing dirtily, like, artifacts, artifa- artifacts, artifacts, trying to get the free thing out and go for, like, the, the, the one one turn kill like double strike and shit so there's two different lists that i've seen one with karn and one without karn i know we're, we're talking about karn mm-hmm. again but i think i prefer the one with karn because it gives you a kind of something else some sort of other an end game to play for and if you yeah. don't like because the thing about colossus is it's good but it's it's sometimes hard to cast if you don't draw specifically brass knuckles because you have to like you have to like have a, so many other permanents in play if you don't have the if you don't have brass knuckles, and Karn also can find you a Colossus. So if you have the setup but you're missing the Colossus, then you just go, excuse me, Karn for Colossus, and then kind of go off from there. But it's also can be like a boat, or it can be a removal spell with you know these uh-huh. kinds of things, or it can be a needle, or or this and that graveyard hate. So I think Karn really gives the deck that additional threat that it needed to be more than just one dimensional. Yeah, um, it gives you seven copies of uh, Colossus in the main at the very least, and then of course gives you that turn one access to, or I'm sorry, game one access to cyborg cards you wouldn't necessarily have, you know, be able to get get into. Um, and that's another that's another thing about I, I'm sad to see things get banned because that's a cool thing to see because that's that's where I think Karn's cool. If he didn't fucking have that static ability, I think he'd be fine and no one would be really talking about Karn as much as a ban hit. Yeah. Stat- that static, static. That just like static abilities on planeswalkers. Uh, I don't know why they thought that was a good idea. <laughs> like if you yeah, just I, look at the cards from War of the Spark, it's like Teferi and mm-hmm. Karn. Uh, I mean, I guess those are the two biggest defenders. Narset, Narset. like Narset, restricted yeah. and vintage because that card's way too broken. There's just so many like just it's just not a good idea to put those planeswalkers are already good enough you don't have to give them an ability that basically they just get to like essentially they're just plussing on your opponent's turn and your turn it's just like it's yeah. it's so sick i i'm still i know again if three fairy didn't have that fucking static i love that card yeah. i really enjoy playing with three fairy it was a really fun card to play with. It was really cool, but that static just was too much. Playing spells in your opponent's turn is like much. that. It, it added like another dimension to the game, you know? But like you said, yeah. just the, the fact, or, or like even if the static ability said uh, your opponents can't cast spells on your turn, you know, if it didn't also exactly. hose like Cascade and Suspend, I mean, I guess hosing Cascade is probably for the, it's probably a good thing because Cascade's a degenerate mechanic to begin with, but it just like it hoses mm-hmm. too much random stuff. There's just like so many things yeah. that just Teferi is just like, nah, I'm good, you know. Even like things like uh, <clears throat> like the uh, free cast spells, or like you know, like uh, Merge Ultimate is a good example. It oh yeah, bring that, the light. Yeah, example. bring the light too. Yeah, exactly. It's another one. And it's like it, and people didn't realize it until they started playing in <laughs> these these interactions. Like, okay, yeah. why does it do this? <laughs> like, what the fuck? I think they should admit mistakes with banned cards and create spiritual successors 
and printing them and basically print fixed versions. Not the exact like reprint, not erratas. Like a retrain. One example I've always yeah, one example I've always given is a smuggler's copter. Oh yeah. Give me that exact same card, but make it like black red or something. Yeah. Like, and then it'd be fine. Because it's it's banned because it's colorless. What what if it like, was like discard then draw? Is that I don't know if it oh, would yeah. change that much, but what's what's the difference? There, that's looting versus what? Rummage. What are the keywords? Rummage. Yeah. I never remember it because rummage is such a fucking <laughs> it's a forgettable phrase in general. But yeah, I think I think that might be okay. Because I don't know if it just, actually changes you know, that much, but. Yeah, I I think I, I, the introduction of colored artifacts and colored like vehicles and stuff like that has been really cool to see, and that's a great uh, area that they can fix that is like Smuggler's Copter, because I I think that's a really cool card. I would love to play it in Rack the Sack, <laughs> but I can't. Back. You want to talk about some RCQs? I know you mentioned RCQs a little while back, because I know we yeah. I think me and you have both played a couple RCQs. Yeah, so we'll start with yours, because that's the most recent one. That was literally yesterday, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that one... Okay. That one didn't go so well. Uh, I did decide to play Mono Green. I... Let's see. Round one, I beat... Uh, you're not going to like me for this, but I beat Rakdosek. <laughs> Round two, yeah, I lost sense. lost to the Mirror Match. Round three, I beat Mono Blue Spirits, which is an incredibly tough matchup, but I got incredibly lucky. That's actually surprising. Yeah, yeah, I got very, very lucky. There was, like, one point in the game where I was, like, completely dead on board, and I think I had, like, a Cavalier, an Oath, an Elf, and a Nykthos, and I was like, all right, I was, I was hellbent, too, and I was like, all right, just draw a Storm of the Festival. And I said that to my opponent. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to draw a Storm. And then I looked at the top card, and it was a Storm, and then I just, like, stormed into the nuts and killed him from there. It was it was crazy. Yeah. Um, and then I lost to <clears throat> Rakdos Midrange, round four, and then I lost to Phoenix, round five, and then I dropped. Um. <laughs> Which is weird, like... <laughs> you lost to Rakdos for karma for beating fucking Mono Blue. <laughs> that is true. I know, I know. That's that's what people were telling me. It's funny because I thought that the... Uh, I thought the Mono Green deck was, like, really, really good against Rakdos midrange, but the more I think about it, I think it's... Um, because the deck relies so much on Storm the Festival, and it's really hard to get to six mana when your elves are always dying. So it's like, if your payoff yeah. was something like four mana, like an Azekas Chariot, if you just had four copies of Azekas Chariot, then you'd probably be fine because your threat costing four mana versus six mana is this world of difference when you when you only have 21 lands. Um, but mm. yeah, that was that was my RCQ uh, Uh I... So I talked about it a little bit on a recent cast. Um, I played Rakdos Sack, obviously, and I wasn't on Fable yet. I was actually I wasn't on Blood Harvester. I was on the Voldaren Epicure uh, list for the most part, um, and I it was tough because when I was trying to figure out afterwards if I want to make the switch to a Blood Dive, I was like, well, that that one damage actually mattered way more in a lot of games than I would have ever thought. Um, from Epicure, it actually stacked pretty nicely, but, uh, so round one, I go against, um, Mono White, uh, Mono White Humans, and I 2-0 him. It was pretty easy when you have four claims in the deck, and you're just like, I'm gonna go ahead and take that and beat your face and that kind of thing. Yep. Um, and they never had, well, they had Brave once, and then I got through it anyway. But, um, so I beat, I beat Mono, uh, Mono White. Round two is where it gets weird. So I go against Rakdos midrange, which 
I always felt like was a great matchup for uh, for Sack. Same. Um, you just kind of kind of outgrind him and stuff like that. And if they if they get Kalidas, you know, cool. If if not, you're you're running away with it. And even then, you can kind of deal with it. I end up winning the match two one. Game three had a really cool line. I had I had my opponent seven life. I had um, a Epicure, a cat, and a unlucky witness on board, and I was hellbent. And they tapped out, played a, um, a graver trespasser um, to go up from six to seven. Pass back to me. I top deck a claim, and I was at I had four mana, so three mana Gigantha. Claim their graver trespasser. Oh, destroy Gigantha. Pitch Gigantha, mm. and then I hit one of my own creatures in the graveyard for the extra damage, and I went in, and I, I, I got to lethal. We're about people to say Gigantha doesn't matter. Exactly. That like that's where Gigantha is fucking sweet. Here's the problem, though. I'm deciding, all right. Um, not deciding, like I'm decideboarding, and I'm going through my list, and I see a card, and I was like, oh shit! It was Karyazev's expertise. I forgot that I sided it in. Oh. So I called Judge and I'm like, hey, we already picked up our cards. I got it 2 1, but I just realized I, I made an illegal move. Is there any way we can go back and redo game three? Is that possible or whatever? And he said, well, because you guys have already cleaned up basically and the match is concluded, you have to just accept the result because no one caught it. And then I asked, is there any way I can concede? And he said, a player can concede at any moment that they want. So I was like, I feel really shitty if I keep this win. So I just gave my opponent the win. Um, That's nice of you. And yeah, but it would have been nicer if if we said, yeah, it would have been nicer if I fucking, uh, we submitted and then I didn't decide right away. And I found out like the next, like, like 20 minutes later or whatever, that would have been nicer for me, (laughs) but whatever it happens. Um, so now I'm one, one where it would have been two Oh, and then I get paired up against mono green mm. next game, get dumpstered two Oh, I had to mold to five, both games, no land, no land, both opening sevens. Uh, and then it was awful. And what sucked is if I won that game, when I looked at the table above me or the, the, the tables above me, my opponents would have been any of the following. Rakdos Midrange, Rakdos Midrange, Rakdos Midrange, Rakdos Midrange, Boros Heroic, Jun Titan were the options of my matchups. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Oh, creativity. I would have you been, said Jun Titan. Know. I was like, wait, okay, now I get it. Creativity, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, and I was like, those have been my matchups. I feel pretty good about all those matchups. I could have been 3-0 at that point. Yeah. Obviously, what ifs kind of thing, but, you know. And it sucks. I felt like I played pretty well. Um... So now I'm I'm uh, I'm one two, and then I start to run the table. I go against Lotus. Uh, they played, they drew really badly game one. I was able to just kind of like aggro them. I got double devil down um, by turn five, and then hit them uh, for a big attack. Then sacked a bunch and then pinged them out. And then game two, um, I ha- I brought in the one of damping sphere in my board, and then got it down. Uh, they didn't have an answer, and then one from there. And I was like, wow, I, I won a really tough matchup. That's really sweet. Um, and then I go against another Rakdos midrange player, and this is where it gets really fucking stupid. We sit down. We're at table, like, five. Um, I got paired up as a, as a 2-2, and he was 3-1. He's like, hey, 
whoever wins here, right, just can just, you know, uh, draw into top eight from here. And I was like, maybe. He's like, well, we're both 3-1. I'm like, and I made the mistake of saying, well, no, I got paired up. I'm 2-2. Two, two. Um, mm. And he was like, oh. He pulls out his phone. He's like, yeah, you can just scoop to me. You're probably not going to make top eight anyway. Oh, boy. And I was like, uh, I don't know, man. I, I kind of just want to play it. And then he would he then he's like, well, what, what what's your name? Let me find your 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 Brad, right? Okay, well here's your game breakers. You have like f- six people ahead of you on this or whatever. There's no way you can make top eight. And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah that that's whatever. And then he keeps bringing up during the games. Yeah. And yeah. I basically I, I shelve it where I'm like, okay, we can talk about let's play the games for now. We can talk about it afterwards. Right. Um, he's bringing it up, and it's like your tiebreakers are bad. There's no way you can make top eight. I'll even, you know, split some of the prize with you. If, um, I'm like, what are you going to split me? Like 20 bucks? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, I really want to scoop for $20. Thank you. Um, and because uh, like, even if he got t- if he got first place, he give- I would get 100 bucks. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's not worth it to me. I'd rather f- try and get top eight. I ended up 2-0-ing him. Oh, it boy. wasn't even close. I fucking obliterated him. And then he's like, so? And... We, we ended up being the last table that hadn't submitted at that point. Oh, no. Judge comes over. He's like, hey, you guys done? And I'm like, yeah, I got it 2-0. He's trying to see if I want to concede. And Judge looks at him, looks at me. He's like, like he just has this look on his face like, what the fuck? Um, and he's like, all right, would you like to concede? And I don't answer for like a tenth of a second. And he's like, take that as a no. And he walks away and submits it for nice. us. <laughs> and and Rakdos player scoops up and he's like all salty. He's like, you're not going to make it anyway, whatever. And I was like, hey, man. Uh, you never know. You have a great day. You have a great day. Yeah. Uh, so And, and we, I went on this whole thing uh, with Alex when I talked about it before. Um, and I was like, you, you can, of course... I understand that concept and that that culture around like the the draws and stuff like that, or, like that kind of dialogue for like tournaments. Yeah. And I don't mind him asking in the first place, but the fact that he kept dogging on me over over and over again, I'm like a, like I feel pretty confident in my ability to speak with people and like um you know being more extroverted and being able to like deal with those kind of situations. But, like, what if I was someone that, like, had really bad anxiety or, like, I couldn't, like, fucking deal with it and you're dogging on me over again and then you might, like, end up forcing them to just want to get out of the situation so they just say, okay, I'll scoop yep. because you're pressuring them so much. Like, that, it's super shitty uh, to do that. And, uh, and I was like, hey, you know, if you're listening, sir, uh, no hard feelings, but please, please don't do that in the future to people. Like, just ask it once. Maybe ask it again after the match ends and then go from there. Yeah, you don't keep pestering um, because, about that. Exactly. Because the next game, um, we're at ta- I'm at table um, table nine. And I'm a 3-2 versus Phoenix, another 3-2. I end up losing to Phoenix 2-1. Um, game three, I never saw Cadovan. Um, had Hearst down. It didn't matter. They eventually like was able to out, you know, grind out the Hearst. Because they didn't even get Phoenixes out. It was just Ledger Shredders you know, cruises and just like kill spells. Basically how they got me. Um, that player who beat me and we had the exact same tiebreakers at that table when we sat down, according to the standings, he got eight and snuck oh, in wow. as the X2. Yep. So, so if you won, you probably go to Ben. Like, exactly. <laughs> and I was sitting there going like, yeah, fuck you, dude. <laughs> Piece of shit. 
and then and then he lost again anyway. So I was like, good for you. And I'm like, again, like if you. So I finished. I finished three three. It wasn't a great uh, event, but uh, for me. But I, I feel like if that mishap in match two didn't play out the way it did, and I started two zero, um, like I should have, because I never saw Karizev at all. It was at like the bottom of the deck. So it didn't matter in a game sense of that game, but it mattered in the legality sense of the game. Right. So it could have been different, that whole kind of shit. But like, it was still fun. I enjoyed it. I had a fun time, you know, uh, and I, I felt pretty good about my play and all that shit. But yeah, like you just don't, don't fucking pester people about <laughs> making them concede. No. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? Be nice. As far as like the uh, the metagame is concerned, how do you feel like it, it, what's what's the metagame been like? I don't know. If it, is that the only one you played? Yeah, so far. Um, okay. I I went to another one and I did not participate in that one because I got there late. And I, I um and they they actually just wouldn't let me. I was like, can I just get a first round like loss? I'm like, no. <laughs> I was like, all right, <laughs> okay. Um, but uh. So I watched that one for a little bit, and the, so the both both ones I've gone to the meta game was uh, a lot of Rakdos, a lot of Rakdos. Like there was thirty seven in the one I played in, about forty again in the other one I went to, and I would say between ten and fifteen less Rakdos both okay. days, like about half the field. And then you have probably, like, the second one was probably, like, you know, Green and Phoenix were, like, probably tied together, like, eight copies apiece kind of thing. Then Boris Rogue was the next one. And then Blue Light Control was probably the one after that, like, four or five. Um, only saw one Lotus player in either event was one I played against. I was the only sack in both events that I saw. Um, there were none in the one I didn't play in, and there were uh, I was the only one in the one I did play in. And then there was just some, obviously, like, some jank here and there. Uh, like like I would I would consider the Titan deck the the Titan Ministry deck to be kind of janky. Oh, yeah. it's fun. I think it it can be explosive and good, but like pretty easy to disrupt kind of thing. Um, so that's pretty much been it for me. Like it's a lot of Rakdos, a lot of what you the usual suspects what you see. Uh, I but I was like, man, Mono Green might have been really good for this tournament. <laughs> the all the Rakdos I saw. Yeah. Because uh, I almost played that, but I didn't have Pestle and Cauldron or Chain at the time, and I couldn't get a hold of any. Yeah, Chain's kind of hard to get to. Yeah, I've um I've played three so far. The first one I went to was forty seven players. Top eight was mm-hmm. half Mono Green, and I think there was one Phoenix, one Bant Spirits, one Rakdos, one Lotus Field. Lotus Field actually won. Not surprising because, again, as we talked earlier, Lotus Field is a little bit better against Monogreen with all the Besages. So not surprised to see Lotus Field mm-hmm. win that one. Uh, the second one I went to, I don't know if I, if you saw about this on Twitter, it was 12 people. <laughs> it was 12. Oh, yeah, I remember. In, in, 12 you people. You bubbled out, didn't you, or some shit? 12, 12 people cut the top four. Um, that was one where I got a game loss in round two because I'm in, well... I the the Rakdo, I was playing Rakdos Sacrifice and I bought mo- like eighty percent of the deck in Japanese. And I don't know if you know the if if you look at Deadly Dispute and Eden Alive, they have very similar artworks. So I thought I de-sideboarded, yeah. but in reality I didn't because I had an extra Eden Alive in my deck and a Deadly Dispute in my sideboard. So we got deck checked and I got a game loss. Uh, that was the match where I got a game loss and my opponent my Niv opponent had game one uh, carried it into turn three uh, Yasharn. <laughs> Game one, nice. by the way, because we didn't sideboard. 
Gotcha. So yeah, I got I got dumpstered that game. Uh, but yeah, I got fifth place. It was cut the top four. I, I think it was a clean cut anyway, so none, none of the X2s made it. So it didn't matter because it was five rounds. Uh, and that yeah. one, I believe, was... There, there, that one was pretty diverse. I don't think there was actually any mono green there. I mean, obviously with twelve people, it's a small field, but it was like you know yeah. mono white humans. Which it was like the finals was uh, red green mid range, which is like glory bringer elves, questing beasts, Asika's chariot versus oh Niv, and and that was the finals. The Niv guy that I lost to, and Niv won that. Niv won that one. And then the most recent one that Did I went to. Did you have RCQ in twenty twenty? I know, right. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, the most recent one that I went to, again, pretty diverse. There was a good bit of Rakdos. I think there was three Rakdos in the top eight. Uh, and then, like, I think two Phoenix. I think maybe one Monogreen player snuck in. Um, but, yeah, it, as far as the metagame with, like, the two larger ones, it was, like, the first one, the earlier one was really dominated by Monogreen. And then, you know, the other one, which they were, I think, about maybe three weeks apart, was really dominated by Rakdos. And I don't know if that's just, like the paper metagame shifting or if it's like different areas because you know it's like it, it, monogreen dominates one tournament and then it's like no almost nowhere mm. to be found the next one so it was kind of weird to see that that kind of um that play out you know what i mean it was the same general area right uh well actually nothing nothing now that you mention it no not really because <laughs> there was one okay in, well yeah one was in connecticut and then the other one was like uh, closer to Boston, so they were probably about two hours from each other. I'm in the middle, so it was only an hour for me both ways. But yeah, they were probably about yeah. two hours apart. So I, I guess that's yeah, All maybe right. maybe 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 just you know areas, different areas, different meta games. Yeah, like if I go to my locals, uh, there's like no mono green of the locals. There's a lot more Rakdos and like Lotus, and there's a lot of spirits because a lot of people bought either the Lotus Field or the spirits. Uh, Oh, challenger yep. decks and upgraded them and that's what, that's what, I, that's what I run into a lot uh, there is one person that plays a really weird vampire deck that's Orzov but it's blood tie not blood tie but it's like it's tied to like the blood mechanic mm-hmm. but then they're not playing Rakdos where you get more blood cards it, it, it's weird also no Soren. but yeah well, that and then that's a that's a deck I want I want to be able to play again is fucking vampires oh that that's my favorite sweet. decks oh yeah it's just when you're one of your best two drops is a fucking vanilla two three lifelink. It's just <laughs> come on. Yeah, and that, we didn't uh, get anything good from Val. No, I except know. for Edgar. Not and a he's single not even good, that good. We just need like even if it was just like a three power two drop vampire creature, you know, just something that like actually can put more pressure on people instead of just like like blood a type good blocker, but Orzov. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> that would be a good one. Yeah, because like if you play, but like if you play Rakdos vampires, it's like you end up just playing Rakdos mid range, but just with like a weird vampire package, which is just I would argue a worse version of Rakdos mid range. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's uh, whatever. But one thing I want to go on to is before we talk about your general feelings about Pioneer and all that good shit, I would like to remind everyone listening. First things first, thank you so much. We love you. We appreciate your listening every week. We appreciate your help and your support and things like that. If you want to support the show, you can go to the description down below. There is Patreon. We have different tiers available that uh, feature just shout-outs just for support and things like that. Uh, more insight and like uh, abilities to want to vote on certain segments or full episodes in general. You get early access to episodes. 
And of course, if you still want, there is merch as well. Speaking of merch, there's inkgaming.com, two links in the description as well. The first one is actually Pioneer, the Pioneer Perspective merch, playmats, all that good stuff. If you don't want to get anything like that, there is the affiliate link. Get anything from the store, from Ink Gaming in general, and you still help out the show in general. Wonderful, of course. And that's it. That's all I have. But now, Devin, so when it comes to Pioneer in general, we talked about it a little bit in terms of like how we feel about like, you know, Karn, uh, Nykthos, and things like that. How do you feel about the format as it stands now from a, just a broad standpoint? Do you think it's in a good place? Do you th- or do you think it could be, even if it's in a good place, do you think it could be somewhere better? Is it where you want it currently? And if it's not... Do you want to see anything in particular happen to the format? So it's kind of tough to say because the general like idea behind Pioneer is it's kind of modern light where you get some of the same interactions that you see in modern, but kind of, you know, watered down a little bit. There's a lot less powerful cards, mm-hmm. right? That's kind of the, 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 uh, the draw to Pioneer. But yeah. it's weird because in a format where the, the power level is overall a little bit lower you see cards like Treasure Cruise and Dig Through Time, mostly mostly those two Delve cards, that just seem to... It, it, they're not used in a, in a lot of decks, right? The only decks that really, really utilize them are Phoenix. Um, but yeah. it just... It, it's tough where if the format is at a point where the power level is low enough and you have a card like Treasure Cruise that is so clearly you know more powerful than almost anything in the entire format... Um, maybe down the line that could become an issue. Now, I don't know if they're willing, Wizards is willing to do anything that, because they've already kind of mentioned that they want to try and balance the format around the Delve cards, which is kind of a weird statement to say. Like, I don't really know how you're supposed to go about balancing a format around Ancestral Recall, but that's neither here nor there, I guess. But, I mean, there there are maybe, like, I think the two cards that most people talk about a lot of the time are Treasure Cruise slash Dig Through Time and Nykthos. We are kind of already went over the the Mono Green stuff, Nykthos and Karn. Yeah. Um, how we, you know, how Karn is like a card that maybe is on the chopping block or, or at least on the watch list at, at this point. I think you can probably put Cruise in the watch list too. It just seems like every time you play against Phoenix, the reason the Phoenix deck is, is so powerful is because they have so many cantrips. Their deck is, what's between 16 and 20 cantrips. So they see Cruise every single game. There's never a game where they don't have access to it by turn four, and they can always cast it because their deck is so good at putting cards in the graveyard. So I could see maybe doing something about Cruise, but if they're not willing to ban it, as they clearly have said before, it's like, I'm not really sure what they would necessarily do about Cruise. Um, but other than Cruise and the Bonner Green deck, I think the rest of the format is pretty healthy. I mean, like like we talked about earlier, the most played deck is Rakdos Midrange, and that's just removal spells and, you know, decently costed yep. threats. So I think that deck is perfectly healthy for the metagame. Uh, you, you, there's a resurgence of Blue-White Control, which not people don't necessarily like to play against Blue-White Control, but it is, I think, a healthy deck to have around because it, it's checks and balances, right? There's, you know... It's the police, Right, and, and the cool thing about having a, a, a really good control deck is you have to, like, really think about your sideboard spots because there's a lot of cards that you would want to play against control that aren't really good against anything else at all. So I like having control in the format. Then you have, like, the Boros Heroic deck on the other, completely other end of the spectrum. You have the Mono Red deck, which is kind of in the middle. Uh, Racto Sacrifice, all the Spirits variants, humans, 
Lotus Field, uh, Grease Fang, which is starting to popular, pick up a little bit in popularity. So I like where the format's at. I just think that maybe there's some talk, you know, that we have to have a conversation about Delve cards and potentially something from Modern Green. But other than that, I think the format's in a really good spot. Yeah, I I would agree. Um, it's funny how Phoenix is still one of the top decks and everyone's like, oh, it's not going to be as good with, you know, uh, Expressive Iteration Band. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. They were pretty fine before it even got printed. So, and look at that. They're you wanna, so good. You want to hear a Still hot a take? Deck. You want to hear a hot take? They, that that? Actually, the deck sure. actually got better when Iteration got banned. <laughs> yeah, I, I would actually agree. It, it makes your turn two way more active. Yep. Uh, they're, they're more, they're more uh, uh, instead of waiting around and, like, you know, doing the e, uh, Expressive Iteration on turn, turn three, um, your turn three now, if you're going to take it off, can be pieces of the puzzle, and you can actually push forward things like uh, Charter Course, Strategic Planning if you're playing that, or Legislator Thing in the Ice in turn two. It opens that lineup way more. Um, and yeah, Iteration's an amazing card. It's really powerful. It's a reason it goes all the way back to Legacy and shit. But yeah, it's one of those things where like people kind of use it as a crutch a little bit. And it's not it's not the same thing as you know Ascendancy, where it's like, it got actively worse oh, yeah. by losing Iteration. Because that find you particular combo pieces and, and everything where phoenix is just like i need to fill the yard i need to find my phoenixes and finding your phoenix with the expressive duration is kind of awkward um so yeah i would agree with that actually yeah I, the, I that's a the the problem with uh, not that, like as you said remember not saying that iteration is a bad card it's just the the way that the phoenix deck is constructed it was always really awkward because you would have these like there's a lot of cards in the Phoenix deck, like Phoenix itself, Cruise, Pieces of the Puzzle, where if you're like, you know, if you have like a, the, the turn three iteration where you hit like two of these, you're never going to get two mm. cards out of the iteration because you can't convert two of those on turn three. There's a lot of situational cards that you didn't want to hit off of off of um, expressive iteration. And now that the deck is like kind of slimmed down a lot more, you know, your turn two, your turn two plays either Shredder or Thing in the Ice, depending on which how how many of those you have, and then you have a lot more cantrips. You're like focused more on pieces, which is pieces finds you crews and helps you fill up the graveyard better than Iteration did. So yeah, I just think that it's like the deck almost it, it's it's really weird to say that but it's like the way that the deck is built now I think is better than the way that the deck was built with Iteration. It kind of has the Lurus effect, um, where like once Lurus is banned, people kind of realize that using Lurus is a crutch for playing CMC two or less for your entire deck can actually limit it. Um, and of course, we're seeing things with like that with like Fable the Mirror Breaker being such a great three drop, and in humans playing like Extraction Specialist. Of course, Specialist wasn't out yet, but you know, getting access to things like Adeline, you know, Specialist, I think it makes that deck better than if it was just way more low to the ground, Lurus kind of thing. Um, you know what I just thought of, though? Because I thought about the Lurus thing. What? Does does Rakdos Pyromancer have any room to actually be a deck anymore? That's one I've never... I haven't seen in, like, months at all anywhere. Oh, you mean Arcanist? So, really like, Pyromancer, Arcanist, that kind of stuff? Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, yes. Well, with Pyromancer and Arcanist, you're probably good in the heads up Rakdos midrange matchup, I would assume, right? Like those those mm -hmm. those two mana creatures are better than most of the three mana creatures that the Rakdos midrange deck has. Like it's that kind of makes a lot of sense. Um, 
I mean, I guess the one issue is you're focused a lot more on the graveyard with Arcanist and Kroxa, and if mm. more people are going to be heavy on hearses, you're going to be a lot worse against hearse. Because, like, for the most part, other than Kroxa, the, the current Rakdos midrange builds don't really care about hearse. But when you start adding, no. like, Dreadhorde Arcanist and maybe Coligan's Command, you're, like, focused more on the graveyard, that could be a little awkward. So that's maybe the one downside, yeah. but you're probably good in the Rakdos heads-up matchup. I think that deck would really like Fable as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Fable's <laughs> nuts like, in that just, deck. You know, just pitching shit to the yard and, like, going in. And, oh, I miss casting Claim to Fame. Oh, yeah. F- faming your Croxa? Faming your Croxa is so fun! <laughs> It's yeah, so I get uh, or I, even just I, I get a little bit of that with uh with the Recto Sacrifice deck where I like you you get the seven mana, especially which is not that not that hard to do with Fable. You get the seven mana and you're just like Croxa, flash it back, uh claim the firstborn, deck you, you're dead. Yeah. Like and, and Crocs is another one that we've seen way less of. Like, you know, like what? Sack plays one or two copies, mid range plays one or two copies at the most, somewhere in the seventy five. And the the Arcanist deck played like what, like three or four copies in the main. Oh, yeah. It's pretty pretty aggressive on on because uh, you had that wonderful you know option of like turn three Croxa before it sacks itself, village rights it and stuff like that, um, which is still a great line that I enjoy doing with Rakdos sack as well. Don't get me wrong, but it's not as prevalent because you're only playing one or two. Yeah. So, oh man, and maybe like in like Sedgemore Witch is super cool. You could play that. Maybe that's maybe that's oh, too yeah. greedy. Forget about that. Forget I don't about know, that man. one. War to lose three life can actually matter. I don't. I don't know, man. Fucking sweet. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think. I, I don't. I, it's been nice and refreshing to see the the band talk from people in the community die down a bit. Um, it used to be when we had that sudden surge of like modern players enter the format. Um. And I, I am pretty much 90% modern players, like from like grinders and streamers and things like that, because modern's in a weird place. You either, you know, really like it or you have a lot of issues with it because um, you're, you're playing Modern Horizons block constructed, essentially. Um, and then, of course, the announcement of like the RCQs Pro Tour and things like that for Pioneer, getting a lot more support, brought a lot of people over to it. And like, I, you saw it in like Aspiring Spike started playing the format and everyone's like, Oh shit, I should play pioneer. Uh, don't get me wrong. I, I love aspiring spike, but like he, he does have like the saffron olive kind of effect where ha- like Seth, Seth would play like a weird budget deck and like against the odds. Oh, and yeah, people are like, yeah. Holy shit. And then you get a buyout of some dis- dirt cheap card. And it's like, why is this card 20 bucks now? <laughs> he has that kind of effect in terms of like formats that are played. Um, I would say. And when you had that happen, a lot of people that kind of take that modern mindset, um, gonna trademark that by the way. That's the if we ever did a sister podcast for the pioneer perspective, that was the name that I had for it was the modern mindset. That's a good one. I like that. Yeah. So if you ever want to do the modern mindset podcast, Devin, what's uh, <laughs> I'll, I can use you as a co-host because you know way more about modern than I do. <laughs> I like watching it, but that that modern mindset of um that power level that you're used to when you come from one format to a lower power level stuff, it might be too easy to mix up what you determine to be ban worthy. Um, and like, cause you kind of equate it to being like, well, if this was happening in like the modern kind of idea, then it must be too good for this format as well. 
but context matters and all that stuff. And then you had this really big uptick in like people wanting things like, you know, Nykthos, Expressive Duration, which of course is banned, uh, Winota and things like that. Hot take. I don't think Winota should have been banned. I don't think it was that bad. I think it was beatable. It was unfun. I admit that. But holy shit, when when uh, when when you fucking take care of their early game shit, it is not that good. <laughs> Come yeah. from someone who played a lot of Winota too. So like yeah, it was well, whatever. It it was kind of weird. Just like the the three cards that they chose to ban were like, I I think Winota kind of made sense, but it was close. And then like Luris and Iteration, where it's like you know we already talked about them banning Iteration and Phoenix getting better. And I don't really know if anybody was complaining about Luris and Pioneer specifically. I think I thought it was yeah. fine in Pioneer to be honest with you. But didn't they say it was a preemptive thing? They're like, we saw what happened to Modern. We don't want to see Pioneer get to that space. So rather than wait until it's at the point where it needs to get banned, we're banning it now. Isn't I think that's like something literally like that. what they said in the announcement. Yeah, something like that. And, you which, know, maybe we would have eventually got to that point. but Yeah, like a year or two from now, I think, is where it would actually get to that point. Um, companions were just a mistake. Yes. Ban the companion mechanic because I would love to play with Luris in the main deck. Coming from oh, someone who played Kethis, yeah. where oh, I yeah. played, I played like two Luris's main deck in Kethis, and it was fucking sweet. It was so cool. Side note: Kethis can be unbanned. Literally half of the the the, the deck has been banned out of the format. You have no Teferi, you have no Luris, you have no Uro as a Plan B, and the combo is so fragile. You have one of the top decks being Phoenix. You have unlicensed Hearse in the format now. Graveyard Hay is so easy to come by, and it's an incredibly fragile graveyard center combo deck unbanned kathis imagine Please. like the rakdos sacrifice deck getting to play main deck Luris. that'd be so sweet like you just get the we, you play yeah. like you just like have witch's oven plus Luris plus uh unlucky witness which is just like you know your own personal dark confidant basically yeah it would compete with things like uh, it, it would really be hard to figure out the numbers on that you'd probably put like one or two Luris, but then you might trim down on fable you, you might even cut ob but I I really like Ob. Anyone who says Ob is bad, I'm like fuck you. It's so good. It's you haven't you haven't lived until you've uh, gotten the double Ob out. Um, and I admit there are of course matches where it's not very good. But like I don't know why does Ob get so much shit? Is it because everyone hyped it up so much as like being like the the second best planeswalker ever behind Oko. I mean, on, season. on release, that shit was like $60. It was really expensive. Yeah. And I think it's maybe just a lot of people that bought it out and they're like, oh shit, you know, now I'm out $300. Why is my card suck? And, you know, it's not that it sucks. It's just, mm-hmm. you probably shouldn't have spent $60 on Mixless, you know? Because it's no. like a pretty niche and card. It goes in, yeah, it goes in very particular decks. Like, yeah. pretty much only Sacrifice. I did try to rack this mid-range for a little bit as like two or three copies. I saw I'm Ginger. I saw Ginger had one in his sideboard at one point. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Um, I I I altered the list a little bit. I played two main deck Tenacious Underdog, or no, three. I played three uh, uh, T Dogs, and it made it way better. You kind of have to. It kind of altered the list a little bit to make it work to its fullest potential. But I thought it was fine. I thought it was great. It made your Rakdos matchup like the mirror really good. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, I'm just gonna slam that down, get fucked. Yeah, when I was playing like the sacrifice version that had four ops, that was you know part of the reason why I thought the Rectus mid range matchup was so good. You just play a two drop and then you play an ob and they lose. <laughs> it's like they're just dead. Yeah. With companions though, 
how do you do you think they should go like in oh, general yeah. It, like just a, every formats. every format you know i i get the argument of like well my lutra did nothing wrong my amori did nothing wrong and it's like well you don't like it, it who the it, fuck's playing amori the other thing is is if you ban the ones that are like problematic which is just Luris and the orion then it's like well now mm -hmm. that Luris and the orion are gone people are going to try and play more Gigantas, and then it's like well what if Gigantas in every deck okay now we ban Gigantha. well what's the next one we can play in every deck and it's just like i'd rather just can not have that conversation and just just get him yeah. out of here, because the whole mechanic. I understand that there's some cool, maybe some cool designs with like, uh, like specifically Umori, like requiring you to play all creatures or whatever, and and this kind of stuff. But it's just the whole concept is just so so bad. I just I don't mm -hmm. want it anywhere near Magic anymore. I absolutely hate it. Yeah, I, I I actually I think blue white control would benefit so much in Pioneer if they banned companion and got rid of uh yorian because holy shit why are you all playing yorian why are you all playing yorian as a control deck are you fucking kidding me the 60 card version is so much better in every way shape and form whenever i play against uh, a guy at my locals that plays the yorian version i'm like cool have fun drawing your fucking cards dude you needed a counter spell yeah. you get only the c get fucked like I, it's you, the whole point of control is you want consistency and I, I think it's like, what does Yorian do? And he, I'm like, hey, how often do you use Yorian? And I'm like, he's like, uh, maybe like once every 10 games. How often do you grab it to hand? Uh, maybe uh, every few games, but mostly I pitch it to March. I'm like, there you go. <laughs> you're pitching it to March. You're, you're paying three mana to save two mana on March. <laughs> So just on that, looking at the goldfish breakdown uh, of the Azorius control deck, I, I don't know exactly how far the breakdown goes back. I think I want to say it goes back three-ish weeks. Maybe it goes back a month, but it looks like it's in 46% of decks. So it's a little bit less than half. I think more, more that might have been a trend from like a little while back, but I think more recently people are starting to cut it because I, I agree with you. I think it's not very good in, in blue-white. Yeah. And just like... I don't know, man. Like, Yorian in general is, like, what... It, I, I play one Yorian deck, and it's Mono White Legends. Because I think that's just a fun deck. And that's it. That's all. But if they banned Yorian, I'd be happy to go down to 60. Figure out the numbers. I don't need to play four book. I play two. <laughs> Not a big deal. Bring back the book combo. That's another one that we lost because of March. Oh, the Mutavault book? Yeah. Yeah. It was so cool. Uh, we do. I do have one uh, question from Alex. The last one is actually from him. I asked him because uh, if he wasn't going to make it, um, I was like, hey, do you have any questions for me? Anything you want to add? And uh, Alex says, if any ally fast lands slash pain lands, which, by the way, I predict that we get the pain lands in either Dominaria or the Brothers War, and then we get the rest of the fast lands next year, we go back to Phyrexia. That is my thinking. Okay. Okay. But Alex says, if we get the ally Fastlands or Painlands, and they get reprinted in the next few sets, either one cycle or both, what are some of the first decks that you are trying um, that are being held back from their mana? So like Azorius, Gruul, those kind of decks. Like Which ones do you think benefit the most from getting that bump up in more consistent mana bases where you don't have to play fucking four mana Confluence in a two-color deck? So... 
First of all, I really, really, really hope this happens because I think it would make the format a lot better. I think that it would open up deck building a lot more. Um, before before we just go into that, there's just one kind of just, uh, not necessarily a tangent, but one thing I want to say about mana bases that I was talking about with somebody in my Discord the other day, um, where mm-hmm. it almost seems like the introduction of Pathways has made people building three-color mana bases actually worse than they were before the Pathways because there's a lot yes. of people that are playing Pathways right now that are just like, if you look at the if you look at the cards in the mana curve, like th- say like an Esper deck, where it's like you have, like Esper Greasefang, you have Stitcher Supplier on turn one, mm-hmm. you have Thoughtseize on turn one, you have Opt on turn one, Consider on turn one, and then you have like Stitcher Supplier, Thoughtseize Push into Faithful Mending. You can't play a Pathway when you have Black 1-drop into Blue White 2-drop. You just can't do that and people just don't really understand that so that's one thing where i think like people really should just if you're playing a three color deck really consider not playing or like really trimming if 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 at all and maybe playing no pathways um but besides that i think that the decks that benefit the most from uh more fast lands more uh more fast lands more pain lands are two kind of two main major uh, archetypes here. So first is two-color aggressive decks where you're trying to play one drops on turn one and two drops of, like, either double or, like, example, you know, Lanawar Elves into a red-green card or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know what I mean? So it's like you really want to make sure that you have your color spread and you don't want to have a draw that has, like, Forest, Forest, Mountain when you have a double red card or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that is one, like, two-color decks that have a lot of one-mana cards. And then three-color decks, again, as we talked about, that, like, try to go colored card on turn one into a different... Like, two completely different colors on turn two. So those those are, like, the two decks. So I think, like, there's... I was playing a lot with this red-green mid-range deck a little while ago, the one that I talked about in my RCQ. I don't know if it was the exact same yeah. deck list. Probably not, but it's, like, eight Llanowar Elves. It's playing... Uh, Fable the Mirror Breaker, it's playing Glorybringer, Chandra, it's like a red-green mid-range deck, and this deck is so sweet, but the problem mm-hmm. is, like, you only have a certain number of dual lands, and you have to play enough green sources that have Elf on turn one, but you also have to play enough red sources to support you have, like, Strangle, Bone Crusher, Fable, Double Red Chandra, Double Red Glorybringer, so it's really hard to get enough untapped green sources and also get enough red sources, so I think it would benefit, really, really benefit a deck like that. And then, um, you know, with my just kind of recency bias, the one I the one that I played uh, the, earlier today on stream was Esper Greasefang, and I kept running yeah. into these situations where I had like six pathways in my deck, and I looked at my hand where it's like Thoughtseize, uh, Thoughtseize, Opt or, or Consider, and Faithful Mending, and I have like two pathways. It's like what what am I supposed to do with this? You know. So I think those are mm-hmm. probably the two the two decks that come to mind first that would really really benefit from more fast lands for sure. Yeah, I I mean I I I'm even thinking of stuff like that. I think of like Selesnia as a very under uh, represented type of a uh, deck. Um, Selesnia Auras comes to mind. Um, oh yeah, with like like the Boggle kind of stuff, like Glade Cover Scout and uh, the the two mana, the double green Tower Reach Archer. bullshit. Yeah, like that one's really cool, and like that's that runs into that problem too, where it's like you need it's base white. And double green, you have a minute, limited amount of uh, dual lands, and then yeah, and when you have to play Mana Confluence in like Azorius Spirits, that's really weird, <laughs> and probably shouldn't be doing that. 
The green-white deck is essentially um, mono-white, splashing Glade Cover Scout and Basara Tower Archer. <laughs> That's essentially yeah. What it is. They, they sometimes play the the uh, the enchantment though, the one that whenever you target a creature you control, you scry one. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I can't remember the name of it though. Yeah, I know they, exactly they play, what you're talking. They tried like a they tried like a Naya Feather deck in Standard with it, and they would do that too. I don't think it's good, um, but yeah, that, that's that's another one too. But yeah, I, I would love to see like more Azorius stuff, more just any low to the ground aggro deck that isn't based out of you know red or black, because that's, that's kind of what it comes down to. There's a lot of those, right? Yeah, for sure. Speaking of Dominaria, because again. I still think we're going to get these lands in the next year. It just, it, it fits too nicely. And I, I think because they didn't reveal the lands, because usually they reveal the land cycle when they do like the, that first little sneak peek for uh, new sets. And they didn't do the one for Dominary before. It makes me feel like we're getting a return to a, a, a land cycle that people have been wanting for a while. So they're like, this would be cool to reveal during spoilers or whatever. So I think the pain lands are on their way. But... Last week, we did get a really interesting leak. Um, of course, take this with a grain of salt. It could be fake. Um, based on the way we've gotten leaks the last year, this kind of checks all the boxes for what you want to see for a, for a leak being legit. Potato camera, shaky hands, no real pure, clear picture, and the card looks authentic enough. <laughs> when you sent me this picture, I actually got. thought it was in a foreign language because it was so hard to read, so... Yeah, it is blurry as shit. Um, we have the Praetor. I can never remember the name of the black one. I can't read it. It's uh, Shieldred. What is it, Devin? Shieldred, okay. Yeah. Shieldred. I think it's Insidious Conqueror. I almost said Incestious. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, insidious Conqueror. Uh, so it's going to be three in double black, five mana for a four or five legendary creature, Phyrexian Praetor, with Ward of Discard, two cards. And then it says, whenever a non-creature you control dies, draw a card, and this ability only triggers once per turn. And then it says, whenever a non-creature your opponent controls dies, or they discard a creature card, you get to return it from the graveyard under the onto the battlefield underneath your control again only happens once per turn. So Devin, if this is real, how do you think it fits? And again, we talked about it earlier. It's super hard to evaluate cards. There's a huge list of examples: Graveyard Trespasser, Wandering Emperor, things like that of recent cards. Even Fable the Mirror Breaker, to be honest, uh, all turned out to be all stars and pioneer and expanded in other formats as well. And no one had them on their radar, at least as they should have in spoiler season. But with that in mind, what do you think of this card? I think it is fairly powerful. I know that you mentioned Trespasser, and that's a card that during spoiler season I kind of overlooked, and I think part of the reason for that was the War Discard a card. So it's, I think mm. we didn't really understand how valuable that was. And now that we've kind of had the experience with Graveyard Trespasser, obviously this thing is five mana, so it's a bit more of a steep price to pay. But the ability not only works like if you're playing, if you have like a lot of ways to sacrifice creatures, you 
you know, stuff like Witches Oven and, and that kind of stuff, you can just get pretty easily to get a free card off of it that way. But it also works, as you talked about, works very well with Thoughtseize. And if you, you can imagine a line where you, like, you know, on six mana, you play this thing and then immediately play a Thoughtseize, your opponent's in a spot where, like, okay... Uh, even if they have, like, cards in their hand, enough cards in their hand that they have a removal spell to, like, removal spell, discard two cards. One thing I just realized, and I think it's maybe a lot better than I initially thought, ward happens before the creature dies. So, essentially, if you play this, and you fire off a Thoughtseize, and let's say they have uh, some kind of removal spell for it, if they discard a creature card as part of the ward cost, even though this thing's about to die, you're still going to get the creature back. <laughs> so just like it, it's the, the the fact that it's ward like the ward the built-in ward essentially works with its ability if they have like a removal spell and a creature in their hand it's like they're they're just screwed no matter what because you either thought sees their creature or they go to kill your children they have to discard the creature because to pay the ward cost and then you still get their creature either way um so the more i think about it uh it wow. might be pretty powerful regardless uh maybe there's some matchups where it's not as good like against you know uh like decks that don't have as many creatures like blue eye control lotus field but even then yeah even then it's like e even if they have to like imagine them fateful absencing this they have to discard two cards and you get a clue so it's essentially a four for yeah. one like how is blue white ever going to recover from getting four for one exactly so it's like it's not it's not evasive but it, it has that protection that is really detrimental to pretty much all decks in the format except for phoenix and i guess grease fang as well yeah i don't know i like it I hadn't I hadn't registered that like war discard two cards if they discard a creature you get it back even if you have nothing else to pair with it I hadn't like that hadn't clicked at first but that's kind of messed up mm. <laughs> and if it resolves well let's say let's say you have six mana it resolves you get priority right so they can't even do anything so you get to cast that thoughtsies first before they can even try to kill it yep so that's really cool too this card's scary actually. <laughs> Yeah, if if you can figure out like maybe a way to, um, kind of well, actually, it works nice with Fable, right? Because you can just go turn three Fable, turn four, attack, get a treasure, play this thing. So you can cast it a turn ahead of schedule, even in just in normal Rectus. So, yeah, I like yeah. it a lot. It's probably better than Cletus in the Rectus midrange deck. Yeah, and Cletus is a, a, a really good cyborg card. I think it definitely deserves a spot in the seventy-five for certain matchups. But yeah, I think it actually might be better than Cletus. Um, it's definitely better than Soren if anyone's still playing four drop Soren in their Rakdos mid range lists. Me, yeah, yeah, I, I see you. <laughs> hey, I bought, count, I, I bought a Soren. Count Dracula, so I'm not playing Soren. I'm playing Count Dracula. Okay, it's a different card. Oh, okay, I promise. You, you know what? You were forgiven. That is that is great. <laughs> I I, uh, I played that as a one or two of in my vampire list. Um, God, can I get a fucking vampire, please? I look at cool cards like this. I'm like, why aren't you a vampire? <laughs> why can't I cheat you into play with fucking Soren? It's so right. stupid. <laughs> Give me something. I don't want fucking what's this called? Uh, what, what was the uh, Xander? The, oh, the Lord Grixis Xander. One? Did you try that at any point? It's so bad. Is it's it? so bad. Like, who cares? I'd. I would always rather be champion of dusk. Yeah. Even if it's Shaman of Dusk by himself. Let me draw one. <laughs> it's such a bad fucking card. Like, yeah, we don't I'd, need I'd... these seven or eight mana vampires to cheat in. Just give me good above the curve 
four, five, maybe a six drop um, to just go through that are just good on value. That's it. I don't need some stupid bomb that pretends it does something. Like even Edgar and Kalidas were both pretty good with it. Yeah, like cheating in Edgar was really nice. Um, yeah, and also cheating Kalidas is great. Like you just going up one, that's fine. You get for three mana, you get a Planeswalker. That's arguably one of the most powerful Planeswalkers ever printed, just tied to a tribe. Um, and you get a nice body. Like, I don't, I don't fucking understand. Just give me more of that, please. That's also why I say we should, we should let M13 be legal in Pioneer so I can play the, uh, the, the flying one, the triple black, like five mana vampire. Um, vampire so dies. Yeah, that one. Is that the, that's the Lord, be, right? Yeah. And you'll get the top card of your library. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. That's Nocturnus. Yep. Yeah. Give me that. That card's sweet. <laughs> but then, of course, you end up getting, uh, not, was it Kiki Jiki that's in that, that set? Or was no, it a different, van, uh, different goblin? I know uh, Farseek's in that set. Cranko? Thragtus is in that set, too. Cranko's in that oh, set. Oh, it's Cranko, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was Cranko. Uh, so you get Cranko, you get Thragtus, you get, uh, Mas- not Master Waves, the, the other Merfolk Lord thing. Just, that'd be so cool. Just give me that. Give me that set. I think it'd be fine. I got. I actually. I got a question for you now. Now that we're talking about cards in Pioneer, if hypothetical, if there was a Pioneer Horizon set, which I, I don't know if it would necessarily if if we want that, but that's maybe a whole other conversation. But if it mm-hmm. was just like reprints of like not new cards, just reprints of old okay. cards that they're okay. just introducing into Pioneer, what's like? What would be like the your personal favorite card that you would want to see in Pioneer that that's from like an older set? Hmm, that's tough. Um, there, uh, so it's I. There's one answer that comes to mind almost every time I think about this, and it's not even an old card. It's actually one from Modern Horizons. Uh, it's Kaya's Guile. Okay. I love that card. I think it. I think it's really cool. It, 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 it's not anything overly, you know, ridiculous in terms of power level. I think it's pretty much on par with a lot of stuff in Pioneer uh, yeah. already, um, and it adds a nice, you know, extra little little bit of depth to a archetype of um, like Orzov or Esper that really doesn't have that type of play to it. Um, so that's one. And then I, I would. I just. I like some of the classic cards. Uh, I think Bob would be fine in the format. Um, I, th- I actually think Bob wouldn't even be that great, uh, but I think it'd be it'd be a really interesting card to have. So Bob, and I think my hottest take would probably be Liliana the Veil. I think that's right at Pioneer power level. Literally, like at the line where you should have it, Veil is right there. I think it's fine. Uh, so give me those. I, I, yeah. No, I could see it. I think that I think maybe that might make Rakdos mid range too good, but it, it's probably pretty close. It's probably pretty close. I think my answer is from that same block. I actually kind of have two, which are from mm-hmm. I think I can't remember if they're from the same set, but I I was gonna I, I think they are from the same set. Uh, Huntmaster of the Fells and Falcon Rat the Aristocrat. Ooh. You know, I just really cool. I, I really just want like more good four minute payoffs. You know. 
for like Falcon Wrath yeah. and the Racto Sacrifice deck. Huntmaster is like this decent, uh, you know, red green or, or Jund or some sort of mid range is mid range S card because it feels like the the four mana slot is like kind of not that great. Like the Rakdos mid range deck plays Kalidus. Um but yeah, I would I would like to see those two cards. It's just kind of like some more top end payoff, you know. Yeah, I think that'd be really fucking sweet. There's so many cards that I think would be fine um, in the format. Um, like I, I I always look at M13 as because it's literally the set before Return to Ravnica. It's the immediate set before it, and I use it as an example because like there's so many cards that would just like add to Pioneer, and I don't think it would bump up the power level in really much ways at all. I could only see the argument for Farseek for like Nivtalite. <laughs> Instead of like you play that instead of Sylvan Carrington, I guess maybe. But even then, like I don't know. Um, but like Thragtusk would be really cool in the format. I think anyone who thinks Thragtusk is too good for Pioneer, I think is insane. No, <laughs> the best Rain like, Deck wouldn't even play it. <laughs> exactly, but it'd be cool to have. Just to be able to go All against. Right. Oh my God, Mono Green! I get to go I against search. it. I get to. I get to bring I got, Thragtusk. I got M thirteen and I sorted by rarity, so we got. Yep. Garrick Primal Hunter, which I don't believe is current. No, that's not currently legal. That one would be. That one would see a decent amount of play. That one I think is actually good in Mono Green. Thunderball Hellkite, mm-hmm. uh, Vampire Nocturnus. We already talked about Captain of the Watch, which is a payoff for Preeminent Captain, which for some reason is in Pioneer, and I hadn't really realized that. Did you Did you realize that Preeminent Captain was in Pioneer? Is it really? It is, but there's no good payoff. Yeah. Uh, Elvish Archdruid, which I think is, again, uh, uh, you know, the elf deck is, I've seen people play it a little bit, could use a little bit of help. Uh, Gilded Lotus, I don't know if people would do stuff with that. Master of the Pearl Trident, don't think people would do stuff with that. What else we got? Sarah Avenger, maybe. Uh, oh, OG Odric. Yep, the Odric. Would that even be good? Whenever Odric Master attacks at least three other creatures, and at least three other creatures, uh, you choose which creatures block the. Co- oh yeah, that'd be really good. Be cool in yeah. here. Flint Hoof Boar. It's kind of a kind of a sweet one. Ranker. I'm sure there would be a beatdown deck with Ranker. But yeah, some sweet cards for sure. And you know, you look at yeah, this list and you're like, what could have been? Here. You know, if they had just went one set before. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. And, like, I, I really don't think anything in this set is, like, just it hurts the format. I really feel like it just adds to it. Um, again, the only one I could think of that really would do anything is, like, oh, okay, hold on. Arbor Elf, though. I don't think we want to give Monogreen Arbor Elf. Oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. We can't do that. <laughs> All right. Oh, never mind. Scrap it. The one card. The one card. <laughs> and it's a fucking goblin, oh. too. <laughs> yeah ban it uh, yeah we can't do that yeah ban Arbor Elf preemptively ban it <laughs> I have a one of the promos uh, that my LGS would give out for just showing up for events was our, our promo Arbor Elf and I have like 12 of them on my desk behind me and I'm like I would ne- I, I can never play this card oh that's the, the ga- I think it was the uh, one of the champion store champs promos I think I have one of those too yeah um so yeah, Arbor Elf and Farseek are the ones I think of the most, because like Farseek would be cool for like Niv. Bro, we could play uh, um, Om- we could play Omnidor Thragfire. 
Worldfire, Door, Omniscience, and Thragtusk all in the set. I'm just saying. It, that sounds fun to me. Were you really were you does. playing Magic around around that time when that was like a deck that people actually played in Standard? <laughs> no, I was not. Uh, I, oh again, I started uh, playing Magic because I, I was a competitive Yu-Gi-Oh player for years. Gotcha. Um, I so around this time I was playing Yu-Gi-Oh. I started playing Magic in 2017 uh, when Amica came out. Because okay, so the whole thing is real quick. The reason I played Yu-Gi-Oh, because as a kid, like five, six, seven years old. And I still am. I, I have a I have a, a tattoo of um, the Ivan Nubis on my back. One thing that I've always been obsessed with and incredibly intrigued by is ancient Egyptian culture, and the whole mythology behind it. Um, the way that just like the 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 different time periods of like the Middle Kingdom, New Kingdom, all that shit. Um, so I, I absolutely love that shit, and I would ask for like uh, like textbooks for like ancient ancient Egypt as a kid. I have like a stack of them in my closet. And the whole reason I started playing Yu-Gi-Oh! is because the premise of the, the, the show and the game is it's an ancient Egyptian card game. And I was like, that's fucking sick. And I was, I was at my LGS with one of my, one of my friends who's played a little bit of magic here and there, but not much. We were there to play Yu-Gi-Oh! And the owner was putting up uh, banners for Amonkhet coming out because uh, they're going to have the pre-release soon. And he was like, hey, you guys should start playing Magic. I mean, you get a cool, like, you know, promo. It was, it was like a foil for, like, like land from Amonkhet. Actually, no, it was from Hour for some reason, because I still have that mountain. But you, just for just for getting, like, the, the introductory decks, like the learning decks. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and I was like, I don't really know, because, like, I've never been into the whole Magic, like, the, like as, a, as a concept, like, not the game, but, like, wizards, knights, dragons, that shit. Like, I love Fallout, one of my favorite game series of all time. Don't like the Elder Scrolls. It's the exact same game, just skinned in different things. But I love Fallout. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know. He's like, well, there's this new set coming out. It's called Amonkhet. It's really, it's kind of cool looking. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck that means. So he starts explaining. And he's like, well, it's like, it's each plane has like a setting. Like there's Theros. That's like ancient Greek mythology, stuff like that. It's like the kind of the flavor of it. And then this one's like ancient Egypt. And I was like, oh shit. Okay. I'll play <laughs> literally immediately. Awesome. I was like, yeah, I'll play. So that's that awesome. if, if Amiket never existed, I probably wouldn't be here today uh, doing this. Like it's, it's fucking, it's great. Um, so that's the whole reason I started getting started playing magic. And that's also why I love pioneer so much because I played standard throughout and like I kept playing after Amaket and I I, li- I love the game, but Pioneer get announced and I was like, I can play Glorybringer and Apatra again. Yep. Oh my god! Only one of those cards turned out to be half good <laughs> in the format. Apatra, right? <laughs> Apatra's, Apatra, yeah. Apatra's one of my favorite cards of all time. It's so cool. Um, it's it's not good. Maybe if we get more Neg One counter support. Ooh, I have another card for you. That we could give uh, to Pioneer. What's that? Give me Yogmoth from Modern Horizons, so I can play. Oh, so I can play Apatra. I'm with you on that one. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. I don't think, you don't have any of the Undying creatures, so it probably wouldn't be too good. Doesn't he has what protection from humans, right? Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah! <laughs> I, Fuck I the am, humans, I deck, am huh? undefeated against humans. <laughs> <laughs> You can try reflector maging my Yogmoth. Get fucked. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that that's that's the whole thing for me. When did, when did you start playing? 
Uh, I started playing Magic in, well, technically 2002, uh, which was when I was in sixth grade and, or mm -hmm. no, fourth grade. And I had, like, bought an Invasion, uh, or no, Odyssey starter deck, or tournament pack, whatever the fuck they were called back then. And I was, like, playing at recess. Yeah. And then I was just, like, you know, basically that was, like, did that for a couple months and then stopped playing. And then I got back, back into it when I graduated from high school or no when i graduated i think when i started like eighth or ninth grade i started going to a local game store which was run dark steel and i put it pretty much been playing you know really since just since like starting 2004 i haven't really stopped so about 18 years now i took a break uh i went to a pre-release to get rivals of ixalan and then I took a break until just after Dominaria came out. That that was that was my my period of like not playing. Yeah. Um, and then I came back, and I remember it was I came back for an F and M, and it was the last F and M where Amonkhet was still legal, in the in the in standard. And everyone's like, hey, let's just play... Uh, you can play Hapatra again. Because that was my standard deck, was Hapatra. Uh, <laughs> with, like, Nest of Scarabs, um, Hapatra. Um, it was fucking sweet. And uh, I was like, nah. I want to be ready for this new standard because I'm playing again. So I went I went to Goldfish. I'm like, what's the cheapest deck I can build right now? 20 minutes before the FNM starts. And it was Mono Blue Tempo. with Fuck yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, with... Um, because it was right before guilds came out. So it was with Tempest Gin, the fucking, the, the Merfolk that would flash, Merf Trickster. Uh, yeah, that was the one that uh, that Autumn won the PT with, right? Yeah. Yep. The one she won with was, uh, or um, they, I don't I think. Uh, either way. Um, they won that uh, that PT with, they had like Terrymander in it, because that was when, uh, it was after, it was before War of the Spark standard, right? It was with a, uh, Ravnica Legion standard? I think so, yeah. So there's Terrymander in the list and stuff. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Um, also, yeah, that's a sweet card. <laughs> Terrymander? Terrymander's sweet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Terminate. That's that's one other card. Really? Terminate. Rectus midrange, best deck yes. in the format. You want to give him Terminate? Okay, mostly because I hate how all of the two-mana black removal spells oh, yeah, line shit. up in the format. <laughs> They're all sorcery speed. You have, you have Lava Coil, Dreadbore, they're they all suck, yeah. Well, not even that. I mean even the instant speed one, like Infernal Grasp, uh Power Work Kill, uh Heartless Act, like just looking at those three, even Doomblade, let's fucking throw that in too. Which hot take, I think Doomblade is the most well positioned of those four. <laughs> Maybe. Hear me out. Hear me out. So Heartless Act. There was a lot of shit that puts counters on for no fucking reason. Like, Ledger Shredder is one of them. A lot of the mono green stuff can actually just get counters. Um, in the ice. I mean, even if... But you, yeah. Um, Heartless Act is really awkward against a lot of decks, and when it matters, it matters a lot. It's like, cool, I'm going to remove counters instead. Get fucked. <laughs> uh, Power Word Kill is hot garbage. It doesn't kill any dragons, any any angels, or de uh, de demons and devils. That's really relevant for, like, Rakdos Sack. You can't kill Mayhem Devil. Um... You can't kill any of uh, any of the dragons, which is mostly just like Gordbringer. Um, I guess we sometimes see gold, Goldspan, and then Sprite Dragon. Sprite Dragon's another one, and it's just like one of those things. Where, like it seems like it won't come up, 
but when you sleeve it, it suddenly comes up way more than you thought. Yeah. Then you have, but then you look at Doomblade. What black creatures? There's a good amount of them, like Greater Trespasser, you know, Mayhem Devil, um, Kalidus, and things like that. Those are obviously ones that you can't kill, and that fucking sucks. But you can kill everything else. <laughs> yeah, those are really the only three that came to mind when you had, when you had mentioned Doomblade. I can't really think of much else. Let's see. Let's go to the metagame real quick. Greasefang? Uh, Is that one, yeah, I guess? Yeah, that's a pretty big one. If maybe... But yeah, so Greasefang, Niv, Mayhem Devil, Kalidus, Trespasser, which is like, mm-hmm. eh, it's a, that's a decent list. I don't know. It's pretty close. But yeah, I see your point. It's like they all have their, they but all then you, have but like then with similar power kill, You can't and, kill half of those. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, and then Infernal Grasp, people are just like, I don't want to lose two life. So they don't play it. Yeah, I think actually, I think more weird. people should probably play that card. I, yeah, I think it's really good. Um, I played it in uh, Vampires. Um, oh, and then there's Eliminate is the other one. But actually... Eliminate doesn't hit Kalidus. It's the only one I can think of. I mean, there's Niv, um, but like, how often do you see Niv? Doesn't kill... Yeah, actually, now that you think about it. Doesn't kill Cav, but you don't really want to kill Cav anyways, because you don't want to give them a trigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it doesn't kill Gigantha, but like, who cares? Maybe that probably doesn't matter that much. Uh, yeah, it kills Troll, but Troll's so awkward to deal with anyway. Yeah, it, it pretty much kills everything. Okay, maybe that's a card I should look at in Rakdos Midrange. I hadn't thought about that one. The only downside is like the Planeswalker part of it seems like extra text because how many three mana Planeswalkers are there to kill now? Nobody's really playing Narset. There's no... Thank God yeah. there's no Ren and Six. Uh, mm-hmm. there, is there no really three any three-mate... Yeah, there's no more Teferis. There's really no three-mate of Planeswalkers. Right? Yeah, no one's playing Domri. Vampires no. isn't being played anymore. Yeah, no Sorin. Sometimes you see Saheeli in the Phoenix sideboards, but probably not. Yeah. Oh, you know what? It kills uh, Kiora. That one's actually pretty big. Right? Oh yeah, and just killing Kiron Curve. I like that. Yeah, that's pretty relevant. Congrats! I just made your Rakdos mid range a little bit yes. better against Mono Green. <laughs> I still well, think the downfall is really good. You actually gave me another instant to, to play versus heroic, and obviously my heroic matchup is horrible because I lost it three times today. So, and all their shits three seems or less. Even and if, even if they're playing Feather. <laughs> Which, that's another card that Power Word Kill doesn't hit! Oh, true. Because it's a fucking true, true. angel. Yeah. Look at that. So give me Terminate. <laughs> so we don't have to... We don't so we don't have, have to play, play Eliminate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or Doomblade or fucking Infernal Grasp. Yeah. By the, yeah. Infernal Grasp is easily the best one. At least it kills everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, is there, do you have anything else uh, that came to mind or anything like that? Before we uh, before we wrap up, um, one thing I don't know if uh, if anybody from MTG Goldfish is listening, but I'm looking at the website right now, and they separated mono green ramp and four color ramp, and literally four color ramp is just mono green with one nickel bullet. So uh, can we fix that, please? <laughs> it's uh, really annoying. We do have a good relationship with uh, with Seth. Um, he's been on the show. Okay. Uh, so I could uh, 
I could yell we gotta at him. Talk, we got to talk to Seth because that's we, we, we can't have that. We can't have that. <laughs> that's all I got. Though. Next time we <laughs> next time we get you on, we have to we have to get you on with Seth uh, and, and do that. That'd, that'd be fun. Because <laughs> Seth was great to have on. Um, it was actually a lot of fun to talk about uh, Pioneer stuff. But again, Seth is, still has that thing where like he thinks of Pioneer as being like the, the, the Llanowar Elf format mm. and like the Elf format, which I think there's merit to that. But I'm like, it's. I think there's still so much more to that there than is. just than just that. It, um, but yeah. Well, before we go, Doomwake, you've been our guest. So where can any of our wonderful listeners find you? Give them the spiel, elevator pitch. <laughs> tell them to give you money. <laughs> you can find me at Twitch.tv/Doomwake. D zero zero M W A K E. Uh, and then the same handle on Twitter and YouTube as well. Uh, I don't have a Patreon. You can find the Discord on any of my socials. You can find it on my Twitter and my disc- or my, uh, my Twitch page. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much it. I stream weekdays 5.30 to 9.30 uh, Eastern Time at night, uh, Monday through Thursday. I try to stream Saturdays and Sundays, although this weekend I have two more RCQs on the 13th and the 14th, so probably no stream this weekend. But yeah, pretty much Monday through Thursday and then weekends whenever I can, so... RCQ's uh, Pioneer or Modern? Or one both? of each. Got one Pioneer, one Modern. Nice. Uh, you want to say what you're playing, or you want to leave that a secret until you're, uh, <laughs> no, until you're going? Rakdos, Midrange, and Pioneer, and then Rhinos and Modern. That sounds about right. Yeah. No no four-color money pile for you for Modern? Oh, fuck no. Oh, God. I would, I would <laughs> stop. I would just, like, sell my entire Modern collection before I was forced to play that deck. It's miserable. <laughs> I mean, you could just sell that deck and buy, like, four fucking Pioneer decks. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, oh, you can find uh, myself and Alex on Twitter at Bradsifer for me and Alex Lockthwain on Twitter for him. You're welcome, Alex, for coming up with that amazing handle. I'm going to mention that every week until I fucking die because I am proud of that one. Because <laughs> his, uh, his last name is, like, Lochtenberg. Uh, he's he's, uh, he's from the Netherlands. Gotcha. And I'm like, what? Why the fuck don't you have it as that? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, that's gonna do it for us. Thank you so much for listening. You guys are the best. Again, thank you for your support. I already did all the Patreon, all that shit. You, you know the drill. You're the best. We love you, and we'll hope you listen to us again next week. Bye bye. That was fun.